This podcast replay is brought to you by Sloman's Home Security. The first 40 Big O listeners right now, dial 1-800-ALARM-ME, will get this limited-time offer, a free doorbell camera that connects directly to your smartphone with installation of your Sloman's Shield. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. All righty, good morning, boys and girls, and uh, welcome aboard to a Tuesday edition of the show. Today, we're uh, a little early. Normally, we do it on Wednesdays that we do Inside the Paint, but uh, Ira is traveling, so we have accommodated Ira, and Ira will, and Ira and Kurt will be on here at 9 o'clock, so we'll have a little fun. Sean Stanley, of course, is mastering the program like he does every day. Alan Pupart will stop by at 10.30. Manny Navarro will stop by at 11.30. I uh, got some stuff I want to I want to get into uh, on the program, especially I got some stuff after after the after the basketball show. Well, I want to kind of uh, push an envelope for some of you Dolphin fans out there that um i don't know if you were even thinking about this but you know we'll we will definitely you know bring it up so heat last night they lose to the nuggets 112 to 108 we told you right <laughs> yesterday when they were favored by a point and a half i'm like why are they favored what is this you know what i mean and uh, and eventually it swung before we even got off the air uh, because they, they, you know, the Tyler Hero news and all that, and then they were favored by one and a half, but still Nuggets won by four, so it was kind of easy money yesterday if you went with the Nuggets. Either way, uh, taking the points or laying the points, it didn't matter. You were going to win uh, with the Nuggets yesterday. Unfortunately, uh, Jokic put on a show. Butler was terrific. Bam was uh, was fantastic overall. Strew shot a lot, bro. Jesus Christ. He was 4 of 14 from three-point range. It's like, yeah, you got 23 points, but, dude, you shot like, I think it was 8 of 20 his overall in the box score, if I remember correctly. I, I know I wrote down here 4 of 14, but I think overall was 8 of 20. So it was like, yeah, you shot a lot. You, you, it wasn't necessarily an efficient night for Max Strews. Uh, Gabe Vincent had a nice game, too, yesterday with uh, 15 points in 34 minutes, had four assists also and a steal. But uh, unfortunately, not enough, and they uh, end up falling short. The Nuggets are a pretty good team, whether they're not 100% or whatever. Uh, you you got to deal with Jokic overall, and you know obviously it was more than enough for them to get past the heat yesterday, 112 to 108. They've got Brooklyn on Wednesday, a very winnable game now that Brooklyn is – absolutely depleted the question is how favored are they is the question that's what we will ask ourselves tomorrow and uh and then we'll find out about what kind of an investment you should make on there because the heat are making you a lot of money if you're if you're doing it the right way actually panthers got by the wild yesterday in a shootout two to one so as they scratch and claw kind of like what we've been used to as panther fans forever that you've got to make a late season charge to, just to sneak into the playoffs and all that. The 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 problem with the Panthers, you know, and then you know it's also the Heat. Are are we supposed to kind of convince ourselves that these teams are going to be different teams when they get to the playoffs? So you've shown me your colors all year long. You've been mediocre, 
and all of a sudden you're supposed to become a good team. And I think it's that bubble disease that we have that the magic of the bubble, we kind of think, well, then, hey, you, you just never know. They could just get hot at the right time. Right. And that's because last year you had an incredibly hot Panther team all year long, gobbling up points, a franchise record, best record in the league, all that stuff. They get the award for it, all that, and then it doesn't pay off at all. You get to the second round and you get bounced. You know, at least he got past the first round, which was an accomplishment for them, but you know what I'm saying? And and so now, are, are we supposed to convince ourselves that the Panthers are better suited for the playoffs and that when they get to the playoffs, if they get even if they even get in the playoffs, that all of a sudden they're going to turn it on, and the goaltending is going to be just absolutely, you know, studly, right? And then the the Heat, you've been so you know average to mediocre all year. Am I supposed to think that you're all of a sudden going to turn it on and compete with the better teams in the league? It's hard, man. It's it's really hard as a fan, and, and I'm not really good at this, at fooling myself like fans do on average of thinking your team is better than what they are. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really good at that. I'm I'm kind of a realist. It's kind of you, you show me what you are, and that's it. You know what I mean? And it's not because you've been injured all year and you're really special and you're being held back and this and that. Not not that they were really special, but if the Dolphins were healthy, I think we would have had a different season. I'm telling you, Super Bowl, but they would have made some 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 you know noise because you saw it when they were healthy. They were making noise and they could beat good teams and they could come back on good teams, even on the road and all that. So they they showed you that kind of potential. I have not seen that from the Heat at all, and I have not seen it from the Panthers for sure. Wow. The Panthers, uh, outside of Kachuk and, and Barkov, obviously, but especially Kachuk, uh, I have just have not seen it, man. I have not seen it. So it's uh, – it's it's tough to watch one thing and then convince yourselves of another, you know, unlike, let's say, great example last night. Also, University of Miami college basketball has changed clearly. Right. I mean, look, UNC ain't shit. <laughs> OK, they're not ranked. They're nothing special. A lot of the blue bloods, a lot of the powerhouses, they're not special. Now it's, you know, FAUs in the, in the rankings and UM and stuff like that. It's the stuff that we're not used to. So it's kind of turned upside down. But this is what college basketball is. So UM isn't an aberration. It's part of what basketball is now. Basketball, college basketball now, anyone can win. There's no longer, you know, feeder systems for the NBA coming through Kentucky and UNC and Duke and, and so on and so forth. Th those days are done. It's, that's just not the way the game is played anymore. Now anybody can be a top 25 team. You just got to have the right combination of veteran players, a couple of NIL 
you know, transfers and all that, but there are no real superstars anymore in, in, in college basketball. They move on right from high school to the G League. They start making their money right away. And so you, you just don't have that anymore, or they go overseas or something like that. Now college basketball, this is what it is. So you can believe that the University of Miami and FAU can actually make runs because this is what college basketball is, and they've shown you all year what they can do. In the other two sports, you know, that's what I was thinking about last night. I'm like, we're we're hoping that they go from frog to prince in hockey and in basketball, whereas in bas in college basketball, what you saw yesterday from the University of Miami is enough to make a lot of noise in college basketball because this is what college basketball is. So it's it's a shame that you know you you can have expectations for the University of Miami basketball team or FAU because this is where we're at in college basketball. But can you really have expectations for the Panthers and the Heat when they've shown you kind of the cards all year long of who they are in this environment that they're in? You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to kind of, you know, kid yourselves about what the reality is for the Panthers or the reality is for the Miami Heat. So... You can expect probably uh, better things from Larinaga and company than maybe from the pro teams when they both head to their postseasons. All right, uh, we've got Inside the Paint coming up now from 9 to 10. We'll get the boys on in a second. We got Alan Pupar joining us with our EJDconstruction.com Miami Dolphins report at 1030. Manny Navarro will join us at 1130 with our Canesware Miami Hurricanes report. We'll get the uh, latest on the coaching search, which uh, continues, and some of the other things going on with the University of Miami. Let's bring the boys aboard. Let's see what we got. There we go. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, any truth that Kurt Heelan is uh, the new trainer for Zion Williamson? <laughs> my, my hamstring already hurts, man. I just I've already pulled it this morning. Okay. All right. Well, Too much job. information, Kurt. Too much information. <laughs> your job to get him back on the court there. Pelican fans are, are counting on you there, Kurt. All right. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they may be counting on me for a few years. I got a feeling, doesn't he, isn't he going to end up one of those guys who like, wow, we got 60 games out of him this year. That's, that's a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You lower expectations, Yeah. which, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of sad, but that's probably the reality uh, of the whole thing. I think Dolphin fans were thinking of that of Teron Armstead when they signed him. Okay, well, but if you get 11, 12 games and he's there for the playoffs, I don't know if you can ask for more than that, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of uh, the case. Uh, last night, Ira, uh, the boys unfortunately fell short to the Jokic show. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Even without Jamal Murray, you know, who was out for that game, was injured. Even without Aaron Gordon, who had a real strong all-star case this year, you can see how one great player can make a difference. And and the thing I enjoy or find unique about watching Nikola Jokic's games is no one plays like him. There's nothing else like him. There's no one else who slows the game down and reads the game like he does and dictates the pace, especially on the Nuggets' offensive end. So I honestly think there were games in the NBA you say, look, 
we're not going to change our whole system for this one game. We can't. Life comes at you too fast. We have a huge game against Brooklyn on Wednesday night. So you go, you go through, you do what you can, but you re- pay your respects at the end. You can see why he's a two-time defending NBA MVP. You can see why he's going to be. It looks like right now, again, there is nothing like him. I just can't recall anything in my 35 years of doing this. Well, he, that he's looks a, like he's the younger version. He's a younger version of Arvita Sabonis. Yeah, basically, he, he is. He is, and again, we saw the Sabonis after his, you know, his, his foot and Achilles problems. So we never saw the great Sabonis in the NBA. Both big and both big and slow, but yeah, very, big, very, big very and effective. slow and efficient, and they still find a way. And you can see that right now. That that actually is a pretty good comparison. They're they're just nothing like him. I mean, and, and again, Big O, you and I talked about this as much as Bam is an All Star center and having a great year. There were times he comes out for a game and stands next to a guy. And you go, damn, he looks really small, whether he's playing against Embiid, whether he's going against Jokic. You can just see yeah. why Bam is more of a 4-5 than a pure 5 and how he gets in trouble going against the ultimate big guys. Bam only had two rebounds last night and two assists. Why? He had his hands full on defense with that guy. No doubt. Kurt, by the way, the dynamic duds are uh, 0-2 right now. Kyrie uh, and, and, yeah. and, 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 uh, and I, wa- I watched – I watched a chunk of that game last night. They are, they are playing next to each other, and it's not pretty on offense. And they're de- we knew their defense would be bad, but they've got to figure out the offense because right now they're – I mean, there was plays where Kyrie's running a pick and roll, and Doncic had his back to the basket and the play so he could argue with the ref. It was just ugly. And Big O, you know this because you've been around covering the Heat. That's how it was for LeBron and Dwayne at the start. Remember how they were playing either-or basketball in 2010-2011 and it was one or not the other? You know, it's it's hard for superstars to play together. Kurt, you've seen this. I yeah. mean, the whole Nets thing came and went with Durant and Harden and Kyrie, and they never got it right. You've got to really make concessions in your game, with Chris Bosh being the ultimate example of that. It takes time. It doesn't happen right away. It just doesn't click because, boom, the trading deadline is there. By the way, uh, and again, I did the Arvidas Sabotis comparison a little bit to, to Jokic. Can I just say Donkic's body is turning into, and please help me out, guys, Oklahoma State, big center. I think big was in his name. Big you think that, Greg Ostertag or Big Country Brian Reeves? Brian Reeves. Big Country Brian, Brian Reeves. Reeves. Country, That's how old yeah. I am. Yes. His yeah. body, his body. Now, Big Country was bigger, but right. it's kind of the same like body. He's, his body's turning into a big, uh, a smaller Big Country Reeves when I watch him play. And it and it works. And you can call him fleshy and all you want, but he makes it yeah, work. They're the best team in the West for a reason. Yeah. I do. Moses Malone got old before our eyes. And for like seven years, he couldn't get off the ground more than two inches. Right. But you couldn't stop him. He'd yep. walk in and he'd grab seven, you know, he'd score 17 and 12 like that. And, you know, and he was an old man at that point. He wasn't the young, agile Rockets Moses Malone dominating yeah. your ass. He was Zach Randolph. Right, yeah, he was slower and all that, you know. So Adrian Dantley also had kind of an old man's game. Yeah, you know, th- this this has existed in the NBA forever. If you know how to use your body and all of that, you don't necessarily have to get past people with speed or overpower them. Absolutely. You, if you know, yeah, yeah, if you know how to sp- use spacing 
you will always dominate in the game. And Donkic is doing that. Then no matter how much he's gained weight, which he looks like a little little Reeves, uh, he he is still effective. It's a it really is amazing. A special player. So we'll we'll touch on that again. We'll touch on the buyout market. What's going on? Who the Heat will get or won't get? Please hit us up on the chat board. We'll follow up a little bit of trade deadline sort of what worked and hasn't worked. It's it's sort of an interesting time in the NBA right now. Big O. Everyone's getting ready for the All-Star break. They're getting ready for the second half of the season. So we'll, we'll, we'll load you up in the next hour on our RedRecover.com Inside the Paint Show. One hour of hardcore basketball, NBA, and Miami Heat talk. RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. Next. This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself. Their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And we welcome you into another weekly edition of RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. Usually we're Wednesdays, but hey, I got to travel sometimes. So this week we're Tuesday. Deal with it. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale, about to head off to New York for a game against the Nets. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com out in the L.A. area. And, Kurt, we're sort of in this funky time of the season. You and I have spent months on our RedRecover.com inside the paint show talking about the trading deadline and personnel moves. And now that mostly has stopped after last Thursday's whirlwind, and we'll touch on that in a while. You have NBA players who see the light of an eight-day All-Star break and can't get there soon enough to finally exhale. And then you have the start of sort of the, the run to the finish after the All-Star break. But in between, you have this thing called the buyout deadline. and and the buyout process. Kurt, can you sort of take people through, because I know you've done a bunch of this at NBCSports.com. The NBA buyout process, sort of fill people in. I'll I'll take it from a Heat perspective after, but sort of fill people in on how the whole thing works. These are generally players who either were just traded, but basically their salary was traded. They weren't really ever – Russell Westbrook. It was (laughs) – as much as I think it would be funny, he is not going to play a game for the Utah Jazz, right? Right. Like, so they got traded as a salary, or it's players who were, they, teams were hoping they were going to be able to trade as a salary, and, and the deal didn't come together for whatever reason, Terrence Ross. You end up just having the team go, hey, we'll set you free, we'll buy you out, and we'll make you a free agent. The deal traditionally works out this way. The player gives up the percentage percentage of his salary or the piece of his salary that he will make on a minimum contract on the back end. So he basically agrees to a buyout, takes a little less money that he'll make up when he's somewhere else. The team saves a little cash, frees up a roster spot for a young player they want to try out the rest of the way. And the player gets to move on. The player who's stuck, usually stuck in a place they don't want to be or on a bad team, gets to jump to a contender or playoff team and and Fans like the, I think Ira, don't you think fans overestimate the value of these guys? There are guys that pitch in and help. I mean, yes. Ennis Cantor in when the was it 2019 when the uh, Trailblazers made a run. Uh, Markeith Morris helped the Lakers when they won a title in it. But more times than not, man, you're playing some minutes until the playoffs start. Then look, you just got cut for a reason. Yes, you got yes. bought out for a reason. No, so they no don't one help is letting much. a difference maker go in the first place. No. There are some situations, bad chemistry, a team going south in a hurry, so you don't necessarily know about that. There's sort of a key date to this whole process, and that's March 1st. If you yes. were on an NBA roster this season, 
you must be released by March 1st to be playoff eligible somewhere else. What people lose sight of, Kurt, is that's when you have to be released from your team. You can sign any day yes. until before your team's final game of the season. This year, it's April 9th, and still be playoff eligible. He did that one year with Darrell Wright. They brought him in the last game of the season. He was on their playoff roster when they went to the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Toronto Raptors. So it's not the signing date. It's the release date. So there's another point to this, which happens very rarely but is interesting. Sometimes a team is so yeah. fed up with a player, they will keep him beyond March 1 as a sort of FU kind of deal. As in, you didn't help us at all. You've been in the pain in the ass. You ain't going to the playoffs anywhere. And those players have very little value unless another team wants them in their development program or down the road. So we've already seen a bunch of moves right now that have been made. And again, at Curtis, you know this from not necessarily a beat writer standpoint like I am, but just seeing the league in general, there's always the, oh, they let him get away. They lost out again. Look, when we were talking last week and I was dealing with Big O and our accurate Pembroke Pines report after the trading deadline – there was a sense that the Heat could have and would have done more and didn't get anything at the deadline. And I get that. I get that, that there is probably 20 teams after the deadline, their fan base feels disappointed. But then it starts in the buyout market. You see this all the time, Kurt, where you don't get a player and it's like, why did the Heat get Danny Green? He went to the Cavaliers. Why didn't the Heat get Terrace Ross? He went to the Suns. Why didn't the Heat get Reggie Jackson? He went to the Nuggets. And this goes to the point that Kurt offered. When players move on, they're not moving on to somewhere where they're not going to thrive in the playoffs. So when you yeah. look at some of these players who've already already decided where to go and where their teams, well, Terrence Ross going to the Suns is probably the favorite right now in the Western Conference, despite their record right now. He's looking at a chance to play in the NBA Finals. Reggie Jackson goes to the Denver Nuggets. He's looking at a chance for a deep playoff run into May, maybe even into June. And even the move with Danny Green to Cleveland, I hate to say this Heat fan right now, but Cleveland has a better record right now than the Miami Heat. They are better positioned right now to do something in the playoffs. So you also have to sort of have the perspective there that players are going to go to the best possible teams unless unless you could offer them a role where they can resurrect their career and be relevant again. Because a lot of players on the buyout market right now had fallen out of favor with their team, weren't getting minutes, Russell Westbrook being the most notable exception. So I wanted to bring that all full circle. The Heat right now can bring in up to two players and stay below the luxury tax. They can bring in one player and keep Orlando Robinson, change his two-way contract to a standard deal. They could bring in no players and cycle through 10-day contracts and maybe find a diamond in the rough to work in the developmental program. You saw Jamari Bouye, University of San Francisco, Kurt's favorite West Coast Conference, you know, taking <laughs> care of it last night for the Heat, 10 points, and, and a really needed contribution against the Denver Nuggets. So there's a lot of possibilities. But there is one name out there, and Kurt, this to me, after you told people how the buyout market works and we explained it, is unusual. I can't recall in recent years a buyout situation like Russell Westbrook where say what you want about Russell Westbrook. But I'm sure you've also mentioned this at Pro Basketball Talk and NBCSports.com. He was sort of contending for the sixth man award, right? What he did, the way he resurrected his career and then played for the Lakers. Take us through the Russell Westbrook scenarios that you've already posted at Pro Basketball Talk. and, And how unique is this to have a player, a former MVP, 
who still yeah. can put up numbers, who put up numbers this season, and now he's eat out there in the ether, clearly not going to play for the Jazz. Where do you see this thing headed? And, and, and give people, since you're out there in L.A., a sense of, in case the Heat get him, in case another team maybe people are rooting for that are watching our RedRecover.com inside the paint show, what is Russell Westbrook right now? There, there's your 20-part question. <laughs> uh, right now, honestly, he's a, like you said, a good role player, a decent, like as a sixth man, when he accepted that spot for uh, when Darvin Ham kind of forced it on him, but he accepted it. He can come in and get you numbers. He's not, he is, I don't want to say never been, but has not been for some time a guy who necessarily helps you towards winning every night. Mm-hmm. Um, he not necessarily he's not helping on defense he's not uh in the way that like if you add danny green now they had a hole at the three in in, Cle- in cleveland right. so they're looking to fill it but yeah, danny green helps you win man he knocks down threes plays his role whatever i'm not sure westbrook does that the lakers were ready to move on because that that relationship had been tenuous all season they'd kind of just made it work once his name started popping up in trade rumors it got messy behind the scenes. He was back to being disruptive to the point where they, if they had not traded him, they were talking about buying him out anyway. Like just, we'll just, we got to get out of the, the Russell Westbrook business. It's not good for our team chemistry. That's crazy. They it's ended, just crazy. It's just yeah. crazy for the amount he's he contributing for yeah. who he is. He gets numbers, not efficiently necessarily, but he does get himself some yeah. numbers. The six man doesn't matter, does it? Like, yeah. <laughs> It, 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 efficiency, Lou Williams, uh, Jamal Crawford, those guys who made a whole career not being efficient off the bench, but man, will come in and I'll give you 16, 17, and he can do that and get you assists. I'm curious. I, I'll say that I heard Chicago because of the connection with Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan. Uh, is is hot, but I, I think it's open and I, the, the buzz is, and I haven't heard this, but people who know him a little better are saying, He's not. Gonna, he's going to make this decision during the All Star break. He is not one of the the guys who signed instantly and oh, I'm I know where I want to go. He's going to take his time with this and find a spot, which I'm curious about because I think the other part question with Russ in particular is, will he accept the role in the next place? Like he did it begrudgingly in Los Angeles, right. but you signs in Chicago is he now they they've got point guard issues. Does he expect to step in and start or is he willing to accept? It's going to be interesting. He could, he could start there. I mean, that's the one yeah, of the few places yeah. he could start. Here's the one thing I, I don't get when I'm trying to caution heat fans and I'll cycle back to the heat and Russ and please join us on our chat board. I'll get to some of these. Also, the questions are popping in. Doesn't don't the Clippers make all the sense in the world from this Ooh. standpoint, Russ lives in LA has wanted to get back to LA from his UCLA years. Wouldn't have to relocate his family. He's talked about his family throughout this process. People who know what used to be Staples Center is now the Crypt, Crypto.com Arena, would literally walk two, ten steps further to go from Lakers locker room to Clippers locker room. Everything would be familiar. It seems to me, from a Russ standpoint, it makes all the convenience sake in the world. Plus, imagine if you could put the screws to the Lakers, finish with a higher playoff seed, be sitting in there while the Lakers were in the play-in, or even if that, after last night in Portland. Now, the other part of it is, and Kurt covers a bunch of Clippers games in person at the Crips. Yes. Did the Clippers not want him? And I'm curious about this, Kurt, for this reason. It would seem to me if the Clippers wanted him, this would have been done right away. But Ty Lue's a really smart guy. And Ty Lue yeah. understands chemistry as well. 
Why isn't Russell Westbrook already a member of the Clippers, who certainly have had issues and depth issues at point guard? It's funny. They were talking about uh, Kylo in particular, came into a media conference and was talking about what they, it's like, what we need if we're looking on the buyout market. He's like, well, we need somebody who will accept a role, can work off ball, is a shooter who can space the floor because you're going to put the ball in, in an ideal world where these guys are healthy. You're going to put the world in the ball in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's hands virtually right. every time down. So you need a point guard who can work off the ball, um, defends more of a three and almost a three and D, like a different kind of point guard, not necessarily one who has to run the offense. Went through all this list and then started praising Russell Westbrook and how much he likes him. And we're all like, that does not line up with the player you just described right, in the right. least. So I got a feeling that that was a hint that there is certainly not unanimity among well, Paul George is recruiting him. The players want him. Players right, horrible the Paul GMs. George quotes, yeah. Yeah. Paul George, again, fans, players are horrible GMs from yes. LeBron on down. They are terrible at this. Right. I mean, think about what LeBron <laughs> gave up in Kuzma, KCP, Contavious yeah. Caldwell Pope, and to a degree, Montrell Harrell, who at least could have helped the Lakers with their center issues right now before they brought in Thomas Bryant. So I get all of that. Take it to another point. The Heat have been linked to Russ. I think early people just try to put yeah. players with names and put the square pegs in the square holes and think that can work. When you look at where Russ was and what he did mm -hmm. right now, what he's been doing this season, and you look at the Heat situation, their chemistry, their culture, Jimmy is the alpha male, Bam is the emerging player who has to get fed on the pick and roll. Tyler Hero, the young guard stud who's going to be starting a $130 million extension. Okay, if players make the worst GMs, any people might be the second worst GMs. But, Kurt, I'm going to put that hat on you right now. If you were Andy Ellisberg, if you were a Miami Heat executive in the front office and you're sitting over there at 601 Biscayne and you say, hey, we might have one or we might have no, depending, or, or rather we might have two available buy, buyouts spots to sign a player Kurt sell me or don't sell me you're sitting at the table right now with Pat Riley Adam Simon Andy Ellisberg and Nick Arison do you try to sell on the idea of your team bringing in the Miami Heat Russell Westbrook or if not what do you tell them why you don't think it would work I, I, I again if he's willing to accept the role it could kind of work with the second unit if he's willing to come off the bench and play 10 minutes a night the thing is, here's the thing, Heat fans. He's not really better than Kyle Lowry. He's just not going to be this even this Kyle player. Lowry with this shape even this and Kyle injury? Lowry. Yeah, really. I mean, he, he. I mean, when Kyle Lowry plays, it's not some dramatic upgrade over where Kyle. That's is fascinating. Right now. Um, and he can be disruptive. I think that that's your concern is that he's going to come in and because he knows his next contract is on the line, um, willingly accept the role. Um, but I got a feeling he's never completely accepted that he's not the guy still Chicago potential. That's I think, I think that's the draw of Chicago, right? That he, because they don't have Alonzo ball, they're desperate at the point. You could step in and, and play just, heavy minutes there, but I don't know. If, I don't know if you can, if you heat. It blows yeah. my I'd mind. Just, and the one thing I'll never wrap my head fully around is a guy's coming off. I think about $40 million contract right now yeah. has enough money to take care of his family's family's oh, family for the next yeah. millennium. And yet you do talk about they're looking at their next contract and what's going to come next and their next chunk of change. And, and, and it's yeah. just as opposed to, hey, I want to be happy. I want to live in L.A. I want to keep my kids in the same I schools. It, it's, it, that's the part that gets me number one 
By the way, we have a whole bunch of stuff on the chat board. We'll get to that after our first break coming up in just a second. To me, the problem with Russell Westbrook is this. The Heat can't shoot. The Heat can't make three-pointers. The Heat cannot play efficient offense. They are last in average points scored. The only team in the NBA averaging fewer than 110 points a game. They are fourth from the bottom with everyone else a lottery team in offensive efficiency. I was reading somewhere that for his amount of minutes, Russell Westbrook is the least efficient player in the NBA. So Kurt Heelan, Miami Heat, ah, associate general manager, we'll call you. When you look at, at Russell Westbrook's game and you look at your team's struggles, how can you even make an argument that that would make you better the way that Russ plays? And what is it the old, you know, leopard doesn't, tiger doesn't change his stripes? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Wouldn't it still be the, I can't believe he just took that shot shot? Yes. You will end up like Laker fans the last year who every time Russell wind up a three, it was no, no, no. Like you could hear the audible groans within the crypto arena. It's yeah. Culturally, I think he, look, I think he'd like Miami. I will say this teammates love him. He is a genuinely good, thoughtful guy uh, as a person. Most of the time he is, even if he's not that way with the media, teammates love him and he's good in the community. Like I think he fit and he works hard. Like I think he fit with the heat culture in a lot of ways. I just don't think he's the player you need. And I think, like you said, shooting is a good place to start. They just, he's terrible at it. Yeah, so I think that's fascinating. Anyway, there are some other names that I do think fit, and we'll get to them. They might not be the sexy names you want. I see on the chat board we have some suggestions. We'll address all of those. So that was part one of who might not fit and how the process works. We come back from this break on redrecover.com inside the paint. We'll look at what remains of the buyout market and directions the Heat might go. And Kurt will give you his list, not really, of his top five Heat prospects on the buyout market. Now given about 90 seconds to go on the internet. We'll be back right after this break on redrecover.com, Inside the Paint. You're listening to the redrecover.com, Inside the Paint show with Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. RedRecover.com's wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. Use the code BIGO to get a 10% discount. There's no need to drive around South Florida wasting valuable time looking for a new or certified pre-owned Acura. Go to the number one volume sales dealership in the Southeast United States. Craig Zins Acura of Pembroke Pines. Purchase with pace and space in a dealership tailored to your needs. From home buying to providing that personal touch. Contact the 2020 Satisfaction Award winner Craig Zins Acura of Pembroke Pines. 888-776-5123. That's 888-776-5123. Or visit them at 15601 Pines Boulevard in Pembroke Pines. If you're a Miami sports fan, then there's only one store to go to. And that's Caneswear at Miami Fanware in Davie. They're your one-stop shop for all your inner Miami CF, Canes, Dolphins, Panthers, and Marlins merchandise. They have hats, t-shirts, game day jerseys, and so much more. Located at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. And open 24-7 online at Caneswear.com or innermiamiware.com. Call them at 954-835-5597. Caneswear, the spot where inner Miami and all Miami sports fans shop. Hey guys, this is Hayden Hurst, NFL tight end. I'm partnering today with Red Recover. We're going to run you guys through some drills.
started using Red Recover last year, my fourth year in the NFL. It just helps me on Mondays after games, get my recovery process started, get back into the fold of the week, and get ready for the following Sunday. If you want to recover like me, use Red Recover. Welcome back to the RedRecover.com Inside the Paint program with Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. Go to RedRecover.com to learn more about Red Light with videos, blog posts, and 40 years of medical research to treat pain, inflammation, and overall well-being. Use code BIGO to receive 10% off your order. Here's Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. And welcome back to our weekly RedRecover.com Inside the Paint Show, going a day earlier than usual Tuesday at 9 a.m. this week. Because uh, I got a trip to Brooklyn, and then finally an all-star break. We'll be back at our mid-season recap next week on Wednesday. Are you going to be in Salt Lake? With... Excuse me? Are you going to be in Salt Lake with me? Uh, you know what? I heard it's cold in Salt Lake, so I'm going to be at Anna Maria Island out in Bradenton enjoying a couple of days off. Because with this schedule as a beep rider, it's like oh, enough. It's so you yeah. have a good time. Say hello to Bam for me. Maybe say hello to Tyler Hero. Maybe the three-point contest. We'll hear about that. By the way, I, I, I want to go off, off script here just for a second because I am curious about something. Um, they have a name which seems very strange to me, Kurt. The full participants for the All-Star Saturday contest when the yes. All-Star Saturday contests are like five days away. Do you think it's an issue getting players just to go out for a one-day contest to Salt Lake City and – can you ever recall anything like this this late in the game, no. not officially having the dunkers, the three-point shooters, or whatever other cockamamie contest they have? Yeah, I think it is late. And I'm wondering if if cold-weather Midwestern city that's not exactly known for its nightlife, we'll just leave yeah. it there. Um, it, look, you were able to get your guys to Chicago, you know, and stuff, but this is a – this is not a favorite stop for players on the on the tour, and I, I think that might play into it. No, as a matter of fact, I was talking to some players and people around the league, and when you look at the lineup they've had lately of Cleveland and Salt Lake and Indianapolis is up next, it's I almost think, and again, I know what they do. They say build an arena, refurbish an arena, yeah. bring in new ownership, we'll give you the all-star game. But I almost think you need to make this sort of like the rotation with the college football playoff where you get to these sexy warm weather cities and then everyone's all in. Believe me, if this was in Miami and I know there's the conflict with the Miami boat show and yeah. convention center space and the coconut Grove arts festival, that's what the heat always use. And, and saying also they don't like that their season ticket holders get squeezed out. And that's an ongoing issue with these venues also. But when you look at sort of getting guys out there, I had heard again, don't aggregate that Jimmy Butler was offered a spot among the reserves that went to Pascal Siakam and basically said, yeah, I got my plans. And now it's going to be interesting because if Jalen Brown can't play because of his facial fracture, uh, Joel Embiid mentioned he's feeling a little sore, might want to sit out. So I do find that curious. The other thing is I had found this out before the game yesterday. A bunch of guys reported it after, so so did I, that Tyler Hero is one of the people invited for the three-point contest. And the first thing I did is I went to NBA.com stats and I'm like, Tyler Hero, three-point percentage, 72nd in the league. Tyler Hero, three-point conversions, 56th in the league. It just seems to me that where it used to be, Larry Bird would want to go to the three-point contest and tell the guys in the locker room before, I got this, guys, it's over, and then go out and do it. Or Steph, because he's at the All-Star game. I almost think for some of the contests, you might as well just take All-Stars. They're there anyway. 
they're trapped anyway. Is All-Star Saturday jumped the shark? I think it's uh, – I think the dunk contest has. I think guys show up, and you're right. That what works for the three-point contest has long been that, A, a bunch of the – like and this year already the names that leaked, Lillard, some of the guys who are like, hey, I'm already there. I might as well go out Saturday night and shoot. But I think – look, I I – I think getting people to a location is a cold location in the winter is an issue. And I, I will, our, our without dropping names, our mutual friend, Tim Frank, mm-hmm. I gave hard time to last year saying, I didn't know they closed New Orleans. I didn't know yeah. that it was done. Like, like if you put it there, everybody goes like Miami, there's a whole bunch of cities. You could drop it. So you go to LA, they're going to be out yeah. there. That's where they wind up. Anyway, you go to Miami, you go, you go to a warm weather destination. You can bring your family with you. It makes a difference. So anyway, I didn't want yeah. to digress that much. We were talking about buyout. We're talking about the Miami heat. They could have up to two spots. The first question that came in today was for MM. He asked for about two names. There was one name I'm very curious about, and that's Dario Saric, who I think mm-hmm. would be the perfect heat fit can be a stretch four or five, could also defend in the post, was actually coming around. And I was surprised, Kurt Heelan, when he was traded by the Suns when he was actually playing that well. But they wanted Baisley and sort of to rebuild their bench, which obviously they traded the whole thing away. I've lately been sort of talking to people who say, look, the Thunder are in it to win it all of a sudden. And and, and Sarge is a guy who could help him. Do you think Dario Sarge stays through the buyout process with the Thunder? Or do you think there's a chance he shakes free? I think there's a chance, but it sounds like he wants to stay. And and you named it like they I don't know if they were as as of a couple of days ago, they actually were the 10 seed and they are looking to make the play and, and make a little push. Um, so I they may not be that eager to give him up right now. Um, they may they may see him as a guy who can, like you said, help them down the stretch. So they're probably I mean. These are mutual decisions most of the time. Yes. He's ready to move on. The player doesn't want to be there. I don't know where that stands with Sarge. Like, would he be happy playing out the season in OKC? I, right. I, and, and a lot of this is back channel. You can't, the Heat can't call Dario Sarge and say, come here. He is under NBA contract to a team. What you can do is talk to his agent and say, well, not talking about a particular player, but we still have our $4 million biannual exception and $4 million left from the mid level, which we can offer to a player. We also might be able to create a starting position if someone happens to be about seven feet and can shoot three-pointers, and then the player sort of has a choice. Most cases of a player who is discarded like that goes to his new GM and says, look, I have to relocate here. There's a better situation for me. I'm in the last year of my contract. We talk about it with Russ. I want to rebuild my value. That could still happen. So which is why I think, like you even mentioned, Russ is going to wait through the All-Star break to see where he wants to go to sort of better size up the situations. I think that'll happen with a few. Again, as long as you were waived by your current team by March 1st, you are playoff eligible. Then you have the issue of how long do you wait and can you develop that chemistry that late in the season? It was, um, I think it was 2018, I'm going to say. The Heat picked up Joe Johnson late in the year, ISO Joe. He was terrific for them when they got past Charlotte in the first round, when they got to a game seven against Toronto. So you can make it work, and guys yeah. who come in late can make it work. In that same question, MM asks, is it possible to get DeMarcus Cousins? This is part He's two of the buyout world and how it works. If you were not in the NBA this season, you could sign any time, like we said in our first segment. You can find that in our podcast outlets. You could sign any time until the last day of the season and still be playoff eligible. 
Kurt, you've had a bunch of DeMarcus Cousins experiences out there in L.A. Yes. You've seen him in the Western Conference. Is there still something left, or is there a reason we haven't seen DeMarcus Cousins this season at all in the NBA? There is a little left. He actually, I thought, played pretty well as a backup last year in Denver for mm-hmm. Jokic through, through this same stretch of the season. Um, I, I think that there's a little in the tank, but there is a feeling that he is still disruptive. And the, essentially, okay. the, the, tr- the troubles, you're not getting, look, when you get peaked to Marcus Cousins, teams will put up with a lot of crap, right? right. Like when you're getting a player His that good. ability is fantastic, yeah, yes. yeah. When you're getting a lesser version of that, you will put up with less. And so he wanted what he wants is minutes and the chance to reestablish himself. But then he'll push for that. And so I think there was a sense of, is it worth the problem? He just hasn't been able to land somewhere. And he he will, by the way, be eager to tell you that's in his past. That's not who he is anymore. What else? Um, are you gonna but say? it's hard. But it, yeah. But exactly. And it's also it, true or not. It's just hard to get past that rep. No, and, and, and I agree with that. And there's usually a reason guys are out. And teams don't – you don't want to bring in a headache. You have enough no. going on with your guys. Hell, you have Jimmy Butler here. You have enough <laughs> going on. You have Kyle Lowry here. You have enough going on. So I think that's interesting. There's a non-sexy name that I put out there that I think works for the Heat. I'd say in, uh, outside of real basketball insiders, that might not be as much knowledge. But this Heat team can't score. And I think they need to recognize the fact that Kyle Lowry might not be coming back through that door anytime soon. Victor Oladipo is the classic case of a guy who pushes through injury and then gets new injuries, so you don't know. God bless Jamari Bouye and what he did last night. Let's be reasonable here. Will Barton is interesting. That's, you I, talked about DeMarcus Cousins finishing last season well with Denver. Will Barton had time with Denver when he was a quality NBA player And I'm still not sure. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't cover the Wizards. I don't know as much about their situation, why he's not playing. I know they want to play their younger players. Will Barton's still a player, isn't he? And and the fact that he's working through a buyout, usually that happens when you you decide on your destination. Like Kurt said in our first segment, how much money you're going to be giving back. What's your thoughts on Will Barton as a possibility for any team in the buyout market and maybe as a possibility for the Miami Heat? You stole the name I was going to drop if you asked Thank me you. who should be at the top of their list because Will Barton would have been the guy. Um, because he he knocks down threes, he can create a little, he can defend a little. He's not the guy he used to be, but he can do enough. But he just knows how to play and fit in and win and could step into a role and knock down shots and make plays. Um, and I think you've got the advantage. I would, A, I. I assume he wants out of Washington because he's not playing much there. They, they, they've leaned into Kuzma and, and the rotation they have. Right. Um, the other thing you mentioned earlier that I didn't realize about the Heat, but matters a lot to guys is, hey, I was about to sign for the minimum, which is prorated through, we keep calling it the second half of the season. Right. It's really like the final third final of the third, season. Yeah. So, you're, so you're getting this limited amount of, of, of money. If you can offer a guy more, if you can say, hey, we've got some mid-level, we've got some biannual left, you want, hey, we can give you this, and, and it's double what you would make somewhere else, guys will jump at that. Guys will genuinely jump. It is a huge – outside of Miami and all the other draws that come with the heat, it's all it's still business, man. Will Barton is still trying to make money, and if you can offer him more of it, he will jump. So I – I'd be curious. I they haven't that hasn't happened yet. He has right. been on everybody's watch list, but I think you were you nailed it. He would be 
talk about a plug and play guy for the heat. Yes. could just walk in and help you. There's probably some other teams that see it that way too, but Miami could use him. No. And again, I think you've got to look toward offense. You know, Eric's supposed to do the same thing after every game. We're going to win with defense. We're a defensive team. Averaging 108 points just three, four years ago would have been quite the achievement and would have put you right in the middle of the league or even the upper echelon. This team has changed. You have to make threes. You have to score at least 115, it seems, a night in order to be competitive. The Heat are in that. I can't tell you why the three-point shooting has fallen off the face of the earth, but it has. So I find that interesting. There also is a thought of this. There's not a lot of teams who can have guys coming through the door who already are in the building. So I'm just wondering also whether the Heat thought is this. Omer Yurtsevit has not played this season, has returned to practice, will get an eight-day break with the Heat to really keep working, and then probably hit the court after the break. We know what we saw from Omer Yurtsevit during that six-week stretch last season when Bam Adebayo was out because of the thumb surgery. You have that. Duncan Robinson has been shooting three-pointers not very well this season, but then we found out he was shooting three-pointers with a broken finger since mid-November. So he is poised to come back. I spoke to him in the locker room yesterday. He's not wearing the splint, so he has a chance. And then you have Victor Oladipo coming back from the ankle injury and what's going on with him right now. Can you foresee the Heat saying, you know what? We want to see what Omer has. We want to see if Duncan can come back and make threes. We want to see if Vic is going to be healthy for a playoff run. And maybe putting off that decision, like we said, closer to that March 1 date. You can only put, like you said, the problem is you can only put it off so long because if Will Barton hits the market, it will not just be the heat. Like it would be multiple guys. And this is true of pretty much everyone, except maybe cousins um, mentioned before. There's a market for these guys. And so you've got to know who you want and who would fit. And the second, frankly, like you mentioned before, you do this through back channels. If you want Will Barton, you're already having a conversation with Will Barton's agent or you're too late. Right. Like you, you are too late to the party. It's like free agency. Um, if, if you're not yes. doing free agency ahead of free agency, you're not getting Lonzo Ball or Kyle Lowry or right. P.J. Tucker and, 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 or, or Jalen Brunson. And then you just pay the second round fee. This I can't recall it a buyout anyone being penalized like that. So I think it's even more appreciated, especially yeah. when a player is in a distressed situation. So I wanted to talk about the heat options. I will get to the chat board, I promise, in our next segment. But I want to ask you one last thing on the way out of this segment right here. Kyle Lowry was not with the Heat for their two home games last week, and the Heat said it was an excused absence. They said because of the knee, whatever, taking treatment. He didn't go with the team to Orlando, road game. Most of their injured players don't travel. Usually on a one-game trip, you don't. You can take therapy at home. There's no reason to get on the plane. I get that also. Yesterday, Kyle Lowry's also not at the game. Heat don't mention excused absence, just Kyle wasn't here tonight. Okay. I know what I would read into that, but I'm curious from a distance as someone who works for pro basketball talk and talks about players falling in and out of favor all season. Heard how odd is that to you that Kyle Lowry has not been around the Miami heat now for more than a week. It's not a good sign. Is it? It's it, 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 engaged players, even when injured and recovering are still around, right? Most of the time, like they, they not maybe every game, but, they're there on the bench. They're there taking, you know, look, you know, to use the easy example, because he became a thing. LeBron was sitting courtside. He's missed He will, as of tonight, miss three straight because of his foot issue, right. um, which was bothering him. Like, 
yeah, he's going to be there. And it is more noticeable when it's a star, but it matters. Like role players are there. So yeah, it's like you said, not flying to Orlando makes sense. Not, not doing right. The odd one off is one thing, but not being around at all for a week has to raise eyebrows. And I'm just wondering, do you think the Heat are at a point where they realize they have to reintegrate? Or do you think the Heat are at a point where they realize they have to go toward the workaround? In other words, could Gabe Vincent be the starter the rest of the season for the Miami Heat? It's very possible, isn't it? I mean, he's, but I think he's, he has played well enough in that role that even if Kyle's back, is he better than Kyle right now? I floated it for the first time in my Ask Ira at SunSentinel.com, and I said before, it's absurd that the minimum guy, $2 million or so, is going to play ahead of the $30 million guy. Now I'm not so sure. Now I think you've got to think of the best interest of the other 15 players on the team and how that works out. I really am curious to see how Pat Riley or Eric Spolstra talk their way out of this when the Heat do regroup after the All-Star break and Kyle is there and past his knee issue and how that plays out and how it plays out with Kyle. He's never bought into the culture. He's always been a, yeah, yeah, talk about your culture. I won a championship in Toronto. I know what to do for better or worse. And now they're in this situation. Anyway, that's our second segment here on redrecover.com inside the paint. If you missed either of the first two, go to any of your big O show outlets on the podcast market. You can catch that. When we come back, I want to talk about the playoff race. It's going to be easy this week to talk about the heat upcoming schedule because there's just one game. We'll try to get to the chat board and finish up your questions here before we take our own all-star break. So all that and more coming up after this break on redrecover.com inside the paint. You're listening to the redrecover.com inside the paint show with Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. Redrecover.com's wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. Use the code big O to get a 10% discount. When you move, you need a reliable company led by passionate folks eager to assist its customers during a transitional process that needs to be smooth. Call Essential Moving Experts at 844-368-5750 for all your local and long-distance moving needs. You can rely on Essential Moving Experts. Mention the Big O Show and get $150 off. Family-owned and operated, they offer free 30-day storage, full-service moving, fully licensed, bonded, and insured. Moving was never so easy. EssentialMovingExperts.com Oh, great. You got a doorbell camera. Now you got a front-row seat to your house getting robbed. No, 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 no. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get out of my house! Ooh, Mom's jewelry. There goes the TV. I'm sure it'll turn up at the pawn shop. Just because you can see them, that doesn't mean you can stop them. With the slow wins, you get 24-hour monitoring, a free home security system, and professional installation. Plus, a free doorbell camera. Free? One that'll actually work for you. It's not total security unless it's the Sloman Shield. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Red Recover now offers a simple-to-use, professional-grade light therapy device designed to help your dog heal and live a healthier life. 
Red Recover emits red in infrared light therapy based on the same science that NASA developed, all in a soft, flexible housing pad powered by a convenient, rechargeable lithium-ion battery. Say yes to science and give your dog the care it deserves with Red Recover. Welcome back to the RedRecover.com Inside the Paint program with Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. Go to RedRecover.com to learn more about red light with videos, blog posts, and 40 years of medical research to treat pain, inflammation, and overall well-being. Use code BIGO to receive 10% off your order. Here's Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. And welcome back for our third and final segment this week on RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. Typically 9 a.m. here on the Big O Show on Wednesdays. Have to travel, so we're doing it Tuesday this week. Back to regular time next week. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk and NBCSports.com out in the Los Angeles area. We've already talked about how the buyout process works. Segment one, download it. We've talked about heat options. Segment two, download it. One name I left off and I'm curious about because it's almost like he's – I've always looked – almost looked at him at this stage as the walking dead. Kurt Heelan, Serge Ibaka, still a thing? I don't think so. I, I got a feeling he's just kind of – maybe, but I don't – I just it's tempting because on paper he's such a great fit for what the Heat need. But I I don't know. His last couple of stops, he's – if a guy's not getting time some places, you're kind of like, why isn't he getting time? So, Yeah. You saw him out there with the Clippers, and he was injured a lot. As a matter of fact, if I'm correct, yeah. I think I think I was out for a Clippers game last year, and he actually was playing for their G League team that night, trying to work his way back, if I recall, when I was there at what was Staples at the time. Did he do anything with the Clippers? Did you start to see Not the really. downward there, or was there something tangible still there? No, you started to see the downward. I mean, his role was, because they've got a center they like, you know, to come off the bench and be the stretch five kind of backup guy and he just they wanted him to be it's a very different player but in style but Trez Montrez Harrell in a sense of hey come in and give us a little pump off the bench and he he didn't have that in him and he couldn't stay healthy long enough to do it yeah it's interesting and again the Heat actually have enough money they could bring a player in on a minimum if it doesn't work get rid of them bring in another player and still stay below the tax the corollary I'd make here is there was a, a few years back during the big three era the Heat brought in Chris Birdman Anderson they first tried him out on two 10-day contracts to see if it would work, signed him for the balance of the season, signed him for the next season. And so I floated this by an NBA person last night, and they said, wouldn't that be the perfect way for the Heat to go, to bring in a Cousins or bring in a Serge Ibaka on a 10-day? Say, let's see if we can do it. But, and, and, and we talked about this with Russell Westbrook and some other players in NBA ego. Do you think there's any chance that Serge Ibaka would bring himself down to that level of agreeing on a 10-day tryout contract? Or do you think someone like him with his decade-plus of experience is basically either you want me or you don't? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how badly he wants that because, I, like I said, I Miami on paper is a perfect fit for him. So would he be willing to accept that to prove that he's still got something in the tank? I, I don't know him well enough to know that answer, I guess, is, is, is what, I, what I would say. I, I don't know the answer to that. My guess is that he would try, where Cousins, I would pretty much say no. Cousins has done um, the 10-day <laughs> thing before. He's, he's a little bit That's more true. of a desperate situation. I just think the proven veteran who's had the proven career is just yeah. not as willing in that situation as like either you want me or you don't. 
I'm not going to go down there. I'm not going to learn a whole new system. I'm not going to build up my hopes. You either sign me, even though it's such a nominal amount, it is a prorated share of the NBA minimum for a veteran was 2.6 this year, I think. So it's less than half of that, of a guy who's earned in excess of $100 million. That's just who they are. Want to get back to the chat board because I've been a little sort of distracted here today. Two extreme goes, let's be honest, I'm not being negative with this, but there isn't a move that he can make that will make them a title contender this season. Look, I agree from without, from outside, whether it's Will Barton, whether it's Serge Ibaka, that there's, those guys are coming in maybe as your eighth man, as nothing else. Yeah. From this Heat roster, from within Kurt Heelan, looking at Bam and Jimmy and Tyler, maybe Tyler, Kyle coming back, maybe Vic coming back, is there a scenario where you say there is still lightning in the bottle for this team to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, which would mean ahead of either the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, or Philadelphia, if you're high on them right now. They've played okay. better lately. Yeah, um, I, I don't see it. I just – this team hasn't – at this point in the season, I have to have seen something. You have to do it. I'm, I, 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 Golden State might be the one exception because they've got the rings to prove they can flip the switch. Everybody else, if I'm not seeing it, I'm just not sold. And I'm kind of, I've kind of gotten there with the Heat, where I think they can be a really dangerous playoff team if everything clicks and nobody would want to see them. But I don't know that they can compete with the best in the East at this point. I think that he could still be great if Kyle Lowry can be great, but I've seen absolutely nothing that, let, that trends in that direction right now. Now, maybe you're saying, hey, he's had the week off for the knee. He's going to get eight days off for the All-Star break. Maybe he can come back rejuvenated. He's been reading his press clearly. He's been seeing what's been said. He hasn't been showing up. Maybe there's a Pat Riley pep talk and their expulsion pep talk. But shy of that, I think that's what really means more than anything. Two Extreme also brings something up, and I want to bring it back because I know there is a Russell Westbrook fa fascination. It will be until he signs somewhere. Yes. Can Russell Westbrook coexist with Jimmy Butler on the same team? That would seem like a ticking time bomb ready to blow up on Spo. Kurt, I want to take you back, you to take us back into the Lakers locker room because I could not read this situation. LeBron James wanted Russell Westbrook there. Yeah. Yet from a body language standpoint, which is all I have 3,000 miles away, you're closer to see that. It seemed like LeBron was nothing but frustrated with what Russell Westbrook's play. I remember there was one game. Yes. We took this awful shot at the end of the game and LeBron was wide open. And almost did the J.R. Smith, I'm here, give me the ball kind yes. of deal. Did Russ get along with LeBron? Was there friction there? Was the big ego of I've got to win, it's winning or nothing LeBron? How did that play out with an elite player and Russ? The friction, the friction really wasn't off the court in terms of personality. Like mm -hmm. they actually meshed fine. The friction was exactly what you mentioned, which is Russ still genuinely believes in his heart that he is a top 10 level player who can be an alpha. Like he wants to take that shot. He wants to be that guy. He believes he is, and he's not. And he's, he never really accepted it. He did better this year, but he never really liked the idea that he was, frankly, I was going to say the third option. There were times that he was lower than that on the pecking right. order and he would be in Miami, right? He's still option three or four. Um, I, so that's where the tension comes. It's not a personality thing, but it would drive Jimmy and Bam and Tyler nuts that, I mean, let me put it this way. The running joke, the night LeBron broke the record was he's going to get to 35. The game's going to be on the line and Russ is going to wave him off. 
so he can yeah. take a jumper. Like, <laughs> like, and that's not even out of character. Like, right. it totally would have happened. No, and, and it would have. And, and that's why, I, again, I think the guy who would be most impacted if you bring Russell Westbrook in, matter of fact, I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't care. Which player do you, Heat player do you think would be most negatively impacted Ooh. if Russell Westbrook arrives? I think this is a definitive name. I don't think you'll get it, but I'm just a bad guy. I, 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 my first thought was Tyler, more than Jimmy. Yes, stop. You won. You won. Uh, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Here's the reason. Jimmy Butler's a willing passer and doesn't have to get his points. We've seen Bam Adebayo. He loves to playmake. He loves to work off the fulcrum, off the elbow. So he plays that way also. Most of the other players are that way. Tyler is trying to establish his star. He's trying to become the next thing. He's, he has an image. He's the young guy, you know, boy wonder and all that. I think if Russ takes his shots, it'll hit home with him that here I am. And Tyler's on a very nice upward arc right now. That here I am and I'm making my move and now this guy's coming and getting in the way. So it's interesting how, how the listeners are pointing out that how it might affect Jimmy. I don't think as much. I think it affects the young guy who's trying to make his way. Have another one here. This is from Jesse M. And it's interesting. He goes, I just got on, so forgive me. We don't forgive you. You must listen to the first two segments when we're done. But I'll let that go, Jesse. If you've already answered this, any, any chance that he buy out Kyle Lowry? Right now, zero for this reason. Yeah. If you have remaining money left on your contract, at worst, you're a trade ship. And I brought this up before. With Kyle at 30 next season and Tyler here at about 27 starting his extension, you have that nice sweet spot where you have a $15 million block that you could send out that gets you any salary in the league. You don't have to worry about adding another contract or something like that. That's what makes Kyle valuable. Now, if we get to next year's trading deadline and he's not playing and it's not working out, then you could talk about buyout. As a matter of fact, one of the buyout names I didn't mention which I had originally when I was listing at the Sun Sentinel was this was Kelly Olynyk, but again he's a guy he has money on his contract next year, only three million dollars is guaranteed, but that can be a facilitator and a, and a chip in a trade also. Any future money still becomes salary cap fodder, so you have to sort of hold on to that because if you buy the player out, you have to buy out both seasons. The difference with Dwayne Dedman is his second season was not guaranteed, so the Heat. Uh, the Spurs actually bought out the remainder. He's off to Philadelphia, but there's no money and contractual obligation after this season. Another one here that was brought up about, um, this was back to Two Extreme asked this, about Gabe starting over Kyle Lowry, which we mentioned. Kurt, this is a two-part question. The question is, the, the thought always is, when you bench a veteran, you can lose him. Yeah. Do you think that he would lose Kyle Lowry? But part two of that, or part one A of that, do you think that matters? That if they lose Kyle Lowry, because when they've had Kyle Lowry, they haven't had Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I would say I, I think you are reaching. You have reached. Not even reaching. You come back from the All Star break. Aren't we at the cold hard decision point of the season? There's no mm-hmm. more. There's no more, man, we kind of would like to make this work and we're going to give him minutes to let them figure this. There's no more of that. Like if if Gabe's playing better, Gabe has to play. It's it's kind of that simple. And right now, looking at it last night, you know, watching the game that I saw, Gabe was making plays out there. He's still yeah. – he's got a – he's playing with tremendous confidence right now. He's a now. tough little son of a bitch is what he is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you could – you need that more than – whatever you're getting from Kyle right now. So, yeah, I, I mean, to me, well, let me ask you this. Just reach that point. If, if I say I'm starting 
Gabe, do I need to find a backup point guard because I couldn't necessarily trust Kyle as far as mm. maybe packing it in as a backup point guard? Or do you think there's enough professionalism there that Kyle still would question. give you whatever he has in reserve? I don't know. You know Kyle better than I. You've watched him up close. How he would hand? I think how he would handle that would be interesting. I don't. I. I um, think that would be. I one will of say, those, say one things, but maybe act in a different way. You know, where all of a sudden, hey, whatever coach wants, I'm here for the team, but my knee hurts today. You know, yeah. and you wind up getting into that, and then all of a sudden, the Heat has no depth at point guard. Jamari Bouye was their backup. God bless him on his 10 day contract last night against Denver. So you're limited there, also. You know what? It's funny because our listeners are actually smarter than us. So maybe Kurt won't be back next week. And one point <laughs> this out, this is actually a very good name. Not only Kyle, Tyler Hero being impacted if they sign Russell Westbrook, but Two Extreme actually brings this up, and I think it makes sense. Victor Oladipo would be impacted yes. significantly also, wouldn't he be, oh my God. be Kurt Healing? You'd, you'd be taking the ball out. He looked so, – he looked pre this injury, he started to really show something, right? He yes. was like – yeah, he was looking good, and now you're going to take the ball out of his hands for – to watch Russell Westbrook pound the ball for 20 seconds, then jump, then hit a, you know, miss a mid-range jumper. Like it's, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Russell Westbrook will be a free agent no matter where he signs after this season. Common sense would tell you he's probably at the mid-level point of his career or less Mm -hmm. and just what he wants to do. But do you think if Russell Westbrook goes to a team, he's going to try to reprove himself and think, because they all do, that he's going to get another big contract? Yeah, I'm really curious what's in his head about that one, because mm-hmm. I think I am. I don't know that he I mean, I, I don't first off, I don't think he even thinks he would get the max. But does he think he's a 25 million a year player, a 20 million a year player? When we're talking, by the way, mid-level people is 10. I would have said that he could because he's a draw in a name. Maybe he can get. 13, 14, like he might get a little above the mid, but, but like, you know I'm not paying him more. You know than what's that. interesting, Kurt? If he doesn't give up his bird rights and doesn't take a buyout, he can still do a sign and trade from the Jazz and get that upper echelon salary. You give that up on a buyout. You lose all of your bird rights. So is there a part of Russ who says, well, if I stay with this Jazz team, eh, we're in play and range anyway. But in the offseason, my agent, then I think it's Jeff Schwartz, my agent then can work out a deal where I can be a sign and trade and still get money. Could he possibly be thinking about that? I wouldn't be surprised if it's on the table. I know that there were people in Utah who said to him, hey, we'd be happy to have you the rest. They're not trying to win. They'd be happy to have you the rest of the season. And he's an attraction. And it's come see Russell Westbrook and the Utah Jazz. So, you know, I mean, as as much as you have Walker Kessler and and nice young players there and Laurie Markkinen going to the All-Star game, it gives you something to sell to other people. And he really can internally sabotage you wonderfully for what you want. Okay, we're running. He's also here. he's also had, he's also had tension with the fans in Utah, which is just would be beautiful. Just be exactly, <laughs> and it's funny because everyone thinks the 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 religious based Utah fans are the nice guys, and man, you know that crowd, no, Kurt. That no. is a rough, rough crowd, and you hear things there you shouldn't hear anywhere. Heat remaining schedule before the All Star break relatively simple. Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night, then off for ten days. We'll get to the future schedule after that next week on RedRecover.com inside the paint. Brooklyn Nets right now where they're situated with nice, young, contributing players, yeah. Mikhail Bridges, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Joe Harris still there. Brooklyn Nets, a playoff team, first si- top six seed, a, a play-in team, top 10 seed. Where do you think the Nets are trending after their trades of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? 
I think they're playing because I think the Knicks and Heat will both pass them. But interesting, it's not easy. Not, but you're but you're right. They're not bad. A, they've got too much cushion to fall out of the plan. Hey, right, they're not bad. They they have a bunch of nice role players. I agree. That, that, yeah, they're, they're, if you watch, they're just not a pushover now. If you Tough watch game play, tomorrow you're gonna have to earn at, at Barclays Center because of that. Also, if you want to skip the All-Star game, you have to miss your team's game before the All-Star game or else get <laughs> really good medical notes. So it might be curious with Jimmy Butler and his approach in that game as well. I'm not saying he's not going to play. I think the perfect Jimmy Butler thing is with five seconds on the clock saying his ankle hurts and sorry, I need treatment. I can't go. And they have very good treatment in Cabo and take that direction. But we will sum up all the All-Star stuff. We will do our mid-season recap next Wednesday on RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. But for now, I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's Kurt Heelan from NBCSports.com, Pro Basketball Talk. And more importantly, the Big O Show rolls on. This podcast replay is brought to you by Caneswear.com. For all your Canes, Dolphins, and Heat needs, visit them at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. Free shipping with online orders over $99. Go to Caneswear.com at Miami Fanware. That's the spot where South Florida fans shop. Good morning, boys and girls. Uh, Welcome back. As uh, we started today a little earlier, we, we did our Wednesday today where we started early and uh, we did the inside the paint show. So tomorrow we'll get back to actually being on at 10 uh, overall. So we started a little early today. Hope you all are well out there. You know, normally I tell you, there's a lot of things to, there isn't a lot of things to talk about, man. I've been, I've been scouring and scouring and trying to find different things to talk about. There isn't a lot. Uh, We do have uh, Alan Pupar joining us today. Manny Navarro will also join us today on the program so we'll uh we'll get the latest we'll get his uh we'll get uh Poupart's thoughts on dolphins and the super bowl and all that good stuff i know he's got his two cents on the final play uh manny navarro will find out about the latest coaching search what's going on there with the canes uh we've got the heat back in action tomorrow night after last night's loss to the nuggets Panthers are back on tonight in St. Louis. They uh, got by the Wild last night in a shootout. University of Miami beat uh, North Carolina last night in basketball, the number 15 team in the country, not UNC, your Canes. And so they will uh, be off till Saturday when they take on Wake Forest. And I was thinking about this. Where does Larinago rank nowadays in the history of South Florida sports, right? Riley and Shula, Shula and Riley, I don't know, however you want to put it, right? And then we've got Spo and Ron Frazier and Howard Schnellenberger. And is Larinaga right there? Is he like right after those guys? Is that where is that where we're looking at when we t- start talking about like you know Jim is pretty freaking special dude <laughs> you know what I'm saying he is uh he is one absolutely special cat I gotta say and he is right up there with a lot of the great coaches that we've uh, been you know we've had the pleasure of having you know in this town and when you talk about their contributions, to us because that's what matters is their contributions to us 
and the amount of time that they've been here and all that. And he's been here a lot longer than most. And there's only a couple of guys that have been there longer than him. But then you start to think about it. And, you know, Laranega goes, he's going down right there with, with Ron Frazier and, and Riley and, and, and shoes and these kind of guys that, that, you know, contributed so much to, to our sports landscape. You know what I'm saying? And I was thinking about that yesterday when, when you're watching that game, because that was the best thing to watch last night. It wasn't the Heat or it wasn't the Panthers, really, to be quite honest with you. Although Bob had some nice saves there down the stretch, but it's still, you know, not a, uh, that Panther team is just not very good. When we talked about that in the first segment of the show, when we we're talking about expectations and, and the uh, the the heat and the and the Panthers, but I, the other thing I was thinking about last night is how how special Laranega is to this town and how special he's been as a coach. And man, just you just wish you would have gotten him twenty years before we got him, you know, and to have him down here for all that time. And it would have been great to see him during the the Big East days and all that stuff, you know, because you've always had. UM's always been littered with coaches that are, you know, it's just a stepping stone for them. Whereas this man came here and made it a home for him, which is what you want. I hope that's what happens with, I think that's what Mario wants in his mind and his heart. And I think that's what we all want as Canes fans too, because we're kind of tired of watching them change coaches like underwears because the University of Miami is always a stepping stone to go somewhere else. You know, whether it's Leonard Hamilton going to the NBA or whatever, or, or tons of coaches on the on, on the football side going to the NFL or whatever, you know, it's uh, it's never been about that, you know, and it's never been about making it a home. And Laranega has made it a home, uh, which is uh, just absolutely impressive. So just uh, just crazy. Uh, the Wild is a good team, but Bob was awesome in the shootout. He was he was. Well, the Wild is a a playoff team, yeah. Uh, not a great team, but yeah, a playoff team. Uh, oh, the big news today is that tonight the Squared Circle Digest returns. I think that's, I think that's accurate. By the way, I think that's very accurate. That is a it's a big no, no. Oh, we're getting psyched here. Oh, what is going on, Sean? You you must answer the people. Oh, no, I'm saying it's not that big of news is what I'm saying. It's a show. The show's tonight, 8 o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying it's not that big of news. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're going yeah, live 8 p.m. It's enormous news. Yeah. What are you talking about? There's nothing really to talk about going on in pro wrestling right now. I mean, there's nothing. But, but the idea that you're back. No, I'm kidding, by the way. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. have their show that they can go and talk to their guy and, and get their pro wrestling fix. And, and and by the way, are we seeing like a, a new look or is this the look still? Or what, Oh, no, uh, this is the, the look still. I got to get the this, this stuff coming through. It keeps getting delayed every other day, so. I think ultimately Jesus. I'm going to have to end up probably just doing my own, but I was hoping to have these yeah, because they were props already there. They were the, perfect. The really so this thing up and yeah. make it look like nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. 100%. You, you guys wait till you see the, 
the new look. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he puts it all together there. I think it's going to look sh- sharp as hell. Oh, no, it'll be 100% sharp, man. We, we've made some investments in there to, you know, prop that thing up properly. So uh, I got to, and, and by the way, I will be uh, creating a, a, a crypto studio too. So it'll, it will have a different studio for the crypto show also. So I'm trying to work on all of those kind of things. That's going to be down the line, but I am working on it. Maybe doing a crypto show later. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you're, uh, you've are you got the notification bell and we will get it going because um, we've got some interesting news today with the um, with the uh, CPI so coming in. So it's uh, nice. Uh, let's see. Oh, looking forward to seeing you up here in Indy for the Combine later this month. I will get there the 28th. So I will be there on Tuesday night. Uh, and then uh, I'll be there around uh, 8 o'clock, I think I arrive, on Tuesday night. And then we leave on Saturday uh, in the afternoon, I think it is, uh, which is the 4th, I believe. So, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there for about five days at the Combine having some fun. Uh, we'll be broadcasting from there. So we'll uh, keep you all updated on everything going on. Uh, combine wise, any kind of news, all the stuff going on in the NFL, and of course, we are the only uh, we are the only outlet that you know goes to the Senior Bowl and the Combine and the NBA Summer League and all that kind of stuff. We're the only outlet in South Florida that does that pretty much. That goes to all of these events for you all out there. So there you go, and the NFL draft in Vegas. Also, nobody did that. It's only us that have done that in South Florida for South Florida sports fans, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, Jim Gleason says, the Big O Show, best in the biz, can't beat it. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Jim. Very nice of you, sir. Very nice of all of you tuning in, as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, The Medellin Dolphins fan says, Big O, Zach Thomas induction will bring lots of good vibes to our Dolphins planet. Amen. And we'll be there for that also for the induction of Zach Thomas into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Prayers to everyone in Palestine, Ohio, and our government's doing another blunder in that area. Um, what was the blunder in Ohio? What was going on? What did we what did we screw up in Ohio? I might have missed that. What was that? Um, I know Michigan in Michigan State. Wow. Prayers in Michigan State. Jesus. Crazy stuff, man. Uh, Wildcats, Goldie Hahn. I'm looking for uh, Lavender Williams. It's the sport of kings. Better than diamond rings. Football. Uh, Big O, when do you anticipate the music show is going to start? Eh, you know, I got to get all my ducks in a row. Uh, and we're, we're working on all of that. I got a lot of things going on. So I'm trying to resolve a lot of things at the same time. Oh, the train crash. Yes, and the chemicals. Yes, yes. Oh, that, that was, yeah, that happened, what, the week before last, right? The uh, That big-ass train crash. Yeah, that thing was that thing was pretty bad. That was ugly. Yes, you are correct. 
It was uh, bad, 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 bad. Uh, all right, so what else do we have going on in the world of uh, sports to talk about? Well, uh, we do have a dolphin subject I want to talk about. And uh, not many are, 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 are talking about this. And I'm wondering how many thought about it. Because if the Dolphins were in that position, you'd be talking about it. You'd be ripping. You'd be filling up this chat board with all kinds of hate. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Gonna throw it out there. Vic Fangio was helping out. They hired him specifically for the Super Bowl to design and help the defense attack Pat Mahomes. Now, it is Pat Mahomes who can do it to anybody. But I, I, I just want to have some fun with Dolphin fans out there and bust some balls, okay? So what happens if it's the Dolphins and it's Fangio? And they couldn't get any sacks. Oh, you know, because what was that guy that I, that I heard on, on Joe's show, on Joe Rose's show a week or two weeks ago? Mark uh, Ross, right? No, because it's a, I almost drove off the road. Oh, well, you know, Fangio's an attacking style defense. I'm like, this guy's a former NFL executive. This guy supposedly watches the league. And, and Fangio is not that, actually. It's not an attacking defense. It's more of a bend-don't-break type of defense. And they didn't put any pressure on Mahomes after all those sacks all year long. And they specifically brought Fangio back to assist on the defense. To help out. Now, he didn't call the defense. I get it. He's not specifically the defensive coordinator, but clearly they must have taken his advice because they brought him back for two weeks. Clearly, their defensive coordinator must be. He 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 was talking, you know, profusely about how much Fangio helps him out and the input and all that stuff. I'm just saying, Dolphin Nation. Nobody's bringing it up. Nobody's talking about it. But they hired Fangio, and then he was just on with a defense that did not show up in the second half. Their offense scored 24. Well, defense also helped out and all that stuff, but they finished them off, and yet they still couldn't pressure Mahomes, a gimpy Mahomes. Oh, that gimpy Mahomes was... Out in the open field, pulling away from people. <laughs> you're like, does that guy have an ankle? It's, you know, you know what it reminds you of when you're running scared, you know, that you you run just a little faster. That's kind of what it probably was with Mahomes. You don't want to get tackled. It's a Super Bowl. So you're just adrenaline is carrying your ass. You know what I'm saying? So, but you think about it. And Fangio helped design that defense, and they didn't get to the quarterback. And there's, you know, it's harder to beat Kansas City if you can't get to Mahomes. 
So, and, and listen, the team scored all those points. I get all of that. But they had no sacks. And nobody's kind of talking about that. And, again, doesn't mean I'm not glad that he's here. I'm super glad that he's here. He's an established defensive coordinator. But everybody doesn't have great days all the time. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're going to have bad days, especially when you're going up against some of the best. That's why they are some of the best, because there are chances you're going to lose. Okay? Doesn't make Fangio any less of a defensive coordinator. He's a damn great defensive coordinator. But I just want to make sure we're nice and clear about things. Because, you know, Dolphin fans may have selective memory. And if they, he has a bad game, oh, well, maybe this guy's not that good. And it's like, yeah, man, everybody has their bad days. Look at the Super Bowl. He was helping out designing that defense against, uh, against Mahomes. and. You know, so, you know, oh, Fangio was helped to hire the offense, not defense. Why would they help the offense? He's a defensive coordinator. I mean, not going to judge based on a guy that had maybe two weeks of prep. However, Mahomes was on another sphere in that second half. Nothing was going to stop him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying it's so he was that's what Rappaport reported. I didn't even know he was assisted the offense. That doesn't make any sense. Is that what it was? Is that true? Yeah, it was assisted to uh, to assist the offense, not the defense to get him ready. Shane Steichen ready for. Steve Spagnola's chief defense. So what? So reading. So uh, so they used them to read Spagnola's defense. Yeah, is that what it is? That's what it seems to be. Yeah, they got him to get it ready for that defense. Yeah. Well, maybe they should have used them for the defense instead, instead of the offense. I didn't know that. I thought he was assisting the defense throughout the whole thing. My bad on that. I just double checked. So that's the only reason. Like, wow, he didn't he didn't help that defense that much because they didn't pressure. They maybe should have used them on defense then, now that I think about it. Wow, that's weird. I did not know that at all. Did not even read that report from Rappaport that he was there to, I assumed he was there to, to, to assist the defense. Assist the offense? They scored 11 points in the second half. I guess it didn't assist that much. Wow. Why would you do that? That's weird. So you're trying to decipher what the defense is going to do to you. That's why you brought Fangio on. That's odd. Wow. Didn't they? They should have kept them on during the game and switched them over to defense so they can try to get them homes. No sacks. Wow. That's even worse. Not for Fangio now. For the Eagles. That is weird. That's what they brought him on for? Wow. What a waste. Should have helped him on defense. You're going up against Mahomes. You need all the help you can possibly get. Wow. That's crazy. My bad. Wow. 
I'm completely off on that one. I thought he was there to assist the defense. I just assumed. Didn't even I didn't even read into it, actually. I just assumed that he was there for the defense. That's a weird dynamic to do for that. Really, really odd. Well, it didn't help, that's for sure. Because you only scored eight points. 11 points, I'm sorry. Eight points in fourth quarter, three points in the, in the third. Yep. No, I was going to say, it helped them when get going into the game. It just didn't help when they had to make changes. Right? Well, because the Eagles' the first, offense well, the in the first quarter, half was pretty the half, decent. The first half they had they they scored points. The second half is where they where they struggled and they couldn't get the same amount. They couldn't get their offense going in the yeah. second half. But that's what I'm saying. Fangio had them ready for the defense until the defense made changes. Then it fell on the offense because Fangio can't sit there the whole game. I can't think and be like, no, no. You know, so they that's were ready weird. until they made I, some what? changes. So. Wow, and I had no idea. Completely. I thought he was there to assist the defense, assist the offense. That new school NFL, oh, that new school NFL. I get it. They were trying to smart, get smart on it and all that. What would you do here? What do you think they're going to do to us? And that kind of stuff. And then Vic is trying to tell them what they're going to do and that kind of stuff. And I get that, but ooh, that's weird. That's weird. Age 360 thank you for the love on the super chat. Oh, rumor has it you're not the only one to travel. Hawkman and Crowder will attend the Senior Bowl to try the local food. <laughs> they would be good for that. That would be good for Hawkman and Crowder, trying the food and talk about the food. That would be fantastic. That would, they, they excel at that kind of goofy stuff, so that's good for them. Uh, I wish I would have seen them at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Bamboozle, thank you for the love in the super chat. Also, it was reported that Vic was there for offense because Vic faced Chiefs twice a year. That is weird. That's weird. I would use him for defense more than anything else than the offense. Wow. That is odd. Thank you for correcting me on that because I was... Lost on that one. Completely lost on that one. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Uh, looks like the advice to the offense worked out pretty good. But again, he's just an advisor on the actual call, not the final say. Hard to say. No, it wasn't because the second half, they only came out with 11 points. So their offense kind of slowed down. Big O, you like Rolando de la Serie? Uh, don't know who he is. Uh, who knows if it's true or not? I'm sure he had input on helping Eagles defense too. Why wouldn't he? I don't know. Well, but the defense, they didn't get any sacks. So that either way, it didn't work out. The second half, you didn't score enough. And, and for the defense, you didn't get any sacks on, on Pat Mahomes. You couldn't pressure Mahomes. And after leading the league on sacks by, like, miles, you couldn't get a sack. I, by the way, the real MVP was the line, not Mahomes. I get it. You got to give it to the quarterback. It's the sexy position. The guy played out of his mind, and he played with, a, with one leg, and he was ba basically playing on, on adrenaline in the last couple of games. So I, I get it. You got to give it to Mahomes. But 
I give it to that line. The Kansas City offensive line won that game because they kept Mahomes just absolutely clean, which is just uh, fantastic. Uh, well, this is how Phillips, how I see it. Phillips scored 35, but a fumble and a special teams 14-point swing. Yeah, team outplayed him. And why didn't the defense on their side score? Why didn't their, they do something like that? Uh, Rosendo says, good morning, Big O Nation. Maybe that's a good thing that Vic helped the offense. It showed his experience as a head coach paid off. Yeah, especially in that second half with 11 points and not enough offense. Yeah. We've seen weirder things in this league, like Tony Sperano being an OC and Cam Cameron being a head coach. Yeah, and we experienced it all on our side. Weird for a defensive mind helping offense for sure. Definitely would have thought defensive input, not offense. That's weird. Big O, are you a flowers or a box of chocolates guy? Ritter, I think that depends on who you're with, right? What does that significant other like? Does she prefer flowers? Does she prefer candy? Does she prefer neither? Would she rather go to a restaurant? Would she rather just have a card? You know what I'm saying? That I, I, I don't know, man. It all depends on who you're with. Would she rather you get a tattoo? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what kind of a, you know, partner you're with. Everybody's boat is floated differently. Not, not all women want chocolates. That's, you know, that's old time tradition and stuff like that. That's not really, um, what, I doubt most young women, I doubt any of them want any chocolates. You know what I'm saying? So it all depends. I, I don't think, I think you're like my wife for sure is more of a flowers girl than a candy. I don't, I don't ever get her any candy. That's not her thing. You know, go get those chocolate bonbons or those hearts or all that stuff. She has zero interest in that. So it's not what I am. It's you better know who you're with and how you push his or her buttons, you know, depending on your relationship. So that's how I would answer that, my brother. I don't dictate that. She dictates that. And then I should know, especially 36 years in, what she's all about. You know what I mean? Uh, Big O, I can't lie. I thought you were just trying to be hip and guess yesterday, but much respect to you being genuinely multicultural, that De La Soul talk and how you related to others was 100. Uh, well, this, this is who I am, dude. What you see is what you get, man. What you see here is what you get in public. It's who I am. Uh, I'm just myself, period. You know, and I'll make my mistakes like I just did, by the way. Uh, and uh, and I'll be be honest of who I am and what I like and what I don't like or whatever, you know, uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, no, it's I talk about all that kind of stuff because I love uh, that music. You know, that's why that era of music is, you know, my wheelhouse, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's why I talk about it, because God. 
And, and by the way, uh, I got Cam heard some of the De La Soul songs. And he, oh, yeah, I know this. I know this. He texted me. Because, oh, wow. That was rough. That was rough. I got to admit. That was rough with Cam. You know what I'm saying? I, I and, and, and let's be, as I always am on this show, brutally honest. I don't expect a 29-year-old brother not to know De La Soul. <laughs> I just don't. Although he is young, so he's 29. And this happens with Marcel, too. When there's a younger age gap, I I don't, you know, that's that's the part that you always have to wonder about people. What kind of a historian are you? Like you walk into a, a sports locker room and you may talk to some young athletes and they may know about the athletes over the last five or 10 years, but you can't talk to them about something 20 years ago and 30 years ago because they won't know jack shit. They won't know any athletes that came before them or stars or anything like that. They won't know the history of the game. Most athletes are like that, right? So then same thing for music. Okay, so you like music, right? But you're young. Okay, so did you go back and listen to older music to find out more about it? Like if you do like hip-hop, did you go back to the early days of hip-hop? If you like rock, did you go back to the early days of rock? You know what I'm saying? So I grew up as a 70s child, even though I was born in 66, I'm really more of a 70s child and then into the 80s. But you can't tell me anything about 60s music because I know it all. And why? Because I am a historian. So I went back into the psychedelic era and you, you and whatever the the uh, what's that? Uh, the, the, the surf era. I forgot how, how they call that, but. You know, all that, all that, all the different kinds of genres that came up, you know, from rockabilly and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I, I, I delved into all those areas of music. You know what I mean? So then it's not just my era on that I'm going to talk about. You know what I'm saying? So then that's where we ran into it with Cam yesterday. Like we could talk rap with him, but probably newer rap, we couldn't go into diggable planets and us three and de la soul and and stuff like that from that era because it was before his time so it all depends like the dude i'm come that's coming up now i can talk all kinds of music with him because he's a historian like he keeps up with stuff now and then he keeps up with stuff from the past you know what i mean so it's just one of those things that when you run into somebody and you're going to talk about politics or you're going to talk about music or you're going to talk about history or you're going to talk about sports, some people, you know, their catalog might be of what's only relevant to them at their time. And they didn't bother to go back and look at, you know, oh, yeah, let me find out about Walter Payton and let me find out you know, about this player or that player from the past and kind of learn about now nah, I'm just going to know about what started in the 2000s because I'm 25 years old and I'm 35 years old. And that's where you that that's that's the that's the that's the bridge that you've got to cross with certain people in certain conversations on how in depth do they go 
in history of whatever it is you're talking about. All right, let's get to uh, a little football talk with the man, the myth, the legend. That is Alan Poupart from Sports Illustrated and our EJDconstruction.com Miami Dolphins report. Dolphins fans, time to get insight on your favorite team with your favorite reporter with an Expos hat. Sports Illustrated's Alan Poupart in our EJDconstruction.com Miami Dolphins report exclusively on a big old radio show. And Jesse M is asking which musician who died young, if you would change their fate and they were to live, would you choose? That is the easiest question I'm ever asked. And that is Jimi Hendrix. Good morning, Alan Poupard. Who is the Who's Jimi Hendrix? Who's Jimi Hendrix? For you also? No, no, no. Um... Young, he said, died young. Okay. Um, 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 um... Off the top of my head, Kurt Cobain, maybe. Okay. All right. That's pretty good. It's um, pretty good. If Kurt Cobain happens, does Foo Fighter ever happen? happen? That's a great question. I kind of get the feeling it would. Um, I kind of. You think Dave the- Dave Grohl had to grow? Right. He had to. He had to. Yeah. Huh. At some point, um, he, he's just too insanely talented. And it's funny because maybe, saw- maybe too sane to stay with the insanely talented, but also oh, kind of insane yeah. Kurt Cobain, too. So he might have, you know what? He might have tired of the act after a while, probably. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and it's interesting. I saw a recent interview with him where he talked about like how introverted he was when he first got into like into music and all that. And he's so not, he's so not. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's one of my favorite just in terms of his personality and not only the fact that he's incredibly talented, too. So he's the most likable rock star on the planet. He's he's completely awesome. By miles. By miles. And there's no other guy that you see and you say, I want to hang with that dude. Mm -hmm. And and like you're like you feel like 100 percent that he's going to be like super freaking cool, you know. And uh, yeah, it's uh, did you see by did you see a documentary? Uh, sound something or whatever the one the the one that he he uh, that it's it's about the recording studio in L.A. and he he kind of uh, he even saved the 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 board and everything he has it in his own studio you know what I'm talking about have no. you seen that yet no but I'll have oh to my. check it out that's I mean, I have that. yes you have to check it out because it's it's a recording studio that anybody who's everybody recorded there you mm-hmm. name it the amount of uh, it was on Sunset. I forgot the damn name of the. Somebody help me out out there. I know one of you have watched that thing. Uh, I've watched it a couple times now, and that is one of the great documentaries that you definitely want to watch it. No, and I his inter- his interaction with the young girl drummer like a couple of years back was completely insane. I mean, I was so effing cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's actually really cool. If I remember the name, I'll tell you guys out there, but. Uh, it's uh, Sunset Records. Is that what it's called, Dude 67? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think it's Sunset Records. It's called something else. Um, it's a studio, and I forgot the damn name of it, but but either way. All right, let's uh, let's get to it. First of all, your thoughts on, on the Super Bowl, because I know you were going back and forth on it on uh, 
on on Twitter. So the way the game ended and the way the the position that the referee was put in. No, that's tough. But to me, I I can't help but go back to the first half play, the third down where Smith Schuster is running over the middle and he's tugged. He's the guy tugs his jersey, turns him around a little bit. There's no flag. Okay, if you're not calling it, then for Christ's sake, don't be calling it on third and eight with a minute and a half left. Um, and spare me the whole, well, he did grab his jersey. Yeah, I get it. Guess what? There, there was one defensive holding penalty, accepted or declined, called the entire game. That was it. Are you expecting anybody to believe that that's the only time that there was a tug on a jersey? Come on. No, well, there were two tugs, by the way. It's two holds. Uh, well, that's probably the same play, correct. But that, that was the only play the entire game there was a where a defensive back was holding. Come on. Um I, I get it, but you put the you put the guy in a position where and everybody's seeing it, and there's two holds on that play, not just one. And so that's where you kind of put yourself in a position for him to call it. And then when he calls it, don't get mad that it happens. You know, it's I I I, I put it akin to, well, okay, listen. It's 65, the speed limit. Everybody's driving around 70, 72, 73, and they don't stop you. But this day, there's a guy on the side of the road, and he wants to stop you at 73, 74, and then you put him in a position where he can make that decision if he felt like it or not, and but there you go. Can you can, true. Both can be true. You can't, tell, you can't tell the cop, but, hey, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, but you are speeding, right? Correct. And you're like, yeah, and well, there you go. Here's your ticket. And I think that's kind of it, that you put the referee in that position. So if he makes the call, you can't blame him because there clearly was a penalty, two but penalties. Both, but both can be true. It can be right. true. It can be true. Right. And, and the, the, the infuriating part, if you're an Eagles fan, and for record, for, for, for transparency's sake, I have no dog in the fight. I would have preferred seeing Philadelphia win because I have friends who work for the Eagles. Not only that, I'm tired of the Chiefs, even though I respect the hell out of what they're doing. Uh, the infuriating part for them, it was the same motion inside, go back outside, where they got the two touchdowns where the guys are open by 10 yards inside the five-yard line. It's like, I mean, how many times were they going to get smoked by that play? Um, so to me, it's but it's a case again, of Darius Slay was sloppy on the play and put himself in the position to get called. But the official, again, to me, that, 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 that's a flag. That's a flag you eat. <clears throat> and, and by the way, uh, uh, you're talking about the two guys that we were with at Larius eating the Italian food a couple of years back. There's two of them and another one. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. They're good dudes. They're good dudes. Good friends of mine. And they're really good dudes. Yeah, cool. they're really good dudes. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, we got to hit that Italian place this year. We haven't hit that Italian place the last couple. Well, I haven't been there in the last. Yeah, been years. there. Yeah. You know what I mean. But I know we're gonna hit the Irish bar for the uh, for the Panther game. But we gotta yeah. we gotta hit Laria's, bro. I haven't oh. been to Laria's in a while. Good, uh, a nice, good, solid good Italian meal. And good. and by the way, a very reasonable price too. They don't rip you off at that place, too. That's so. Uh, that's the other thing. If you ever go to Indianapolis, folks, there's a place called Laria's. It's just outside of downtown, like two miles outside of downtown. But it's, uh, you know, just a, a, a short uh, Uber drive, and 
well worth it if you ever go to Indy. Just just saying. So I, I get it, man. I'm 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 with you there. I I uh by the way, I did not realize they corrected me here because I, I thought Fangio went to help out the defense. I didn't know that he was helping out the offense. I didn't even realize that. I didn't even look into it that much. Did you realize that that he was helping out the offense? Yeah, I've got I've gotten conflicting reports on this. I think I, one of the guys in the report might have reported that he he was helping out the offense, which it's kind of weird to me because how much how much studying of the defense would he have done? I, I know he was a head coach with the Broncos um, for three years, but as a pure, I mean, as a defensive guy, I would think his area of expertise would be more trying to help out stopping the Kansas City offense. I mean, that that that, that was kind of weird to me. But like I said, I, I way, but I was I'm busting balls here to have some fun. Dolphin fans would have been livid the day after. Well, his defense didn't get any pressure on Mahomes. No sacks. They would be bitching right now about it with no sacks. I'm just saying. I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Unless no, like less like Cardinals fans are like, I don't I don't want Jonathan Gannon now. You got they got Eagle defense got smoked by Mahomes. I don't want him anymore. Right. right. Uh, Which is and, and it really Mahomes did his thing, but the whole team did its thing. Defense scored, special teams gave you practically a touchdown with a run back to the five yard line. So that's the other thing that we have to look at that, that entire team contributed to that win. It wasn't just my personally for me, dude, the MVP was the offensive line, really not Mahomes. I get it. Cause of the dramatic, high ankle, the high ankle, all that stuff. Hell, when he ran up the middle of the field with that high ankle injury, he was pulling away from guys. Shows you how much adrenaline was, you know, was carrying his ass. But I, I'm not going to take anything away. The most important factor to that game was those five guys up front, not one sack, dude. That's and impressive. Not a whole, not a whole lot of pressure. I looked at the game book. It said five quarterback hits by the Eagles, and I'm like, I'm like scratching my head to to think where. I don't recall Mahomes being hit very much. And he did say there was a clip of him like in the locker room after the game saying like number seven, that's a sound Reddick was chasing me the, all night. I thought he was going to get me at some point. I'm like, did I miss something? I, I, didn't, right. I didn't see that, that pressure. And it also illustrates what a huge difference and props to Kansas city. Cause in their previous Super Bowl appearance, their offensive line got absolutely annihilated by the bucks and they completely revamped the hell out of it. The only the only remaining starter is Andrew Wiley. And right. then and that team just nailed. They hit like Trey Smith in the draft, who was a guy who had injury concerns and center. And Creed Humphrey, who who yeah, who, people kind of knew that that's the guy I, I had my eye on for the Dolphins. Um they didn't get Trey Smith had injury concerns. Those aren't panning out. And those guys are like ballers. And then they got Orlando Brown because he wanted to play left tackle and the, the Ravens already had Ronnie Stanley. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was uh, an absolute monster makeover of that line, and they fixed that thing quickly, and uh, they were just absolutely awesome. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, that whole thing with, you know, if and again, nothing against Fangio or anything. I'm I'm glad he's here for the Dolphins, but it's just kind of funny that they they couldn't get a sack on him, you know, and I'm I'm sure he had to have also assisted uh, on the defensive side. All right. Um, it looks like there. We when will we hear uh, the official hiring? And then now we're hearing about Tom Donatel too. Uh, what are you hearing about that interview also taking place? Well, my my 
my feeling right now, and this is something that is not unusual, is you're not going to get piecemeal announcements of hirings. I think they're going to wait until they have the whole staff finalized. Like, like Fangio's on board now. Now he's got to fill out. He needs an outside linebackers coach. Assistant linebackers coach was fired. They're down to one DB coach uh, who's Sam Madison, who, by the way, was on the Kansas City Chiefs staff last year and wanted to come home to South Florida, but missed out on the Super Bowl. Um, so they have to hire those guys. And then, yeah, Tom Donatel makes perfect sense because he's the son of a longtime Vic Fangio colleague, Ed Donatel, who wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he also came on board, we would have a father and son combination because he was with him at three different stops. He was the DC in Minnesota last year, was fired. So now he's available. And I looked at that 2021 Denver Broncos staff when, when Fangio was the head coach. And two of the assistants were uh, John Pagano, who was an outside linebackers coach, the brother of Chuck Pagano, who's not was not an employed in 2022. He could be a logical addition. Same as Reggie Herring, who was with Fangio way back when at one of his earlier stops, rejoined him in Denver. That's a former uh, Fuller State linebacker. So wouldn't surprise because, again, they had an opening at assistant linebackers and outside linebackers. So those could be those two guys. Donatel could be one of your DB coaches. Ed Donatel could be, if he does come on board, like a senior defensive assistant, that type of thing. And um, so I, I, but I would think again, they're going to wait till everything's finalized and then announce all the the, the coaching staff changes. Um, Tua, would you uh, would you think of the farce that was the? Um... Super Super Bowl week interviews, because uh, it it just it it was embarrassing to be quite honest. It oh, was no. lame. Dude, was, dude, he's getting he's getting he's getting cash to be flown out first first class in Arizona to, to pump up the subway. What was it? No, no, I, I, no. His bank account did well, but yeah, I'm just saying the, the interviews cool. themselves were were terrible. Quite honestly, they 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 really did not do him any justice, but. Let's get into the meat of the matter of all of that. You know, there was a report that was, well, you know, they're uh, holding him up, but if the Dolphins win and advance in the, in the playoffs, he might be ready to play. Well, he kind of exposed that that, I think it was a Schefter report, that that report was not accurate because they never even put him into the protocol till after the season ended. So they had zero intentions ever of playing him again this year. He was never, ever going to see the field. So those reports of, well, if they advance, you could see, you know, um, Tua, that was definitely not accurate. Well, I, I, I didn't see that, but they did put him in the protocol. I mean, they literally put him in the protocol the day after the Green Bay game. Um, after the season was over, he said it. But yeah. he had already been in the protocol. I don't understand what that means. He was in the protocol. No. He didn't, he didn't enter the protocol till after the season was over. Then you're, then you're saying that Mike McDaniel flat out lied to us. They said literally, he told us literally the day after the Green Bay game that Tua had been placed in the concussion protocol. They lied literally to you. That. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Tua even said Tua said it himself in the interviews that he was put. Am I right? Am I, oh, Sean just left, but uh, yeah, he was put into protocol after the season ended. So the Dolphins I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Plans. 
Yeah, I mean, in fact, uh, in well, fact, there were, he think... did like seven different interviews, and it's possible he may have said different things all over the place. He mentioned he basically hinted that, like, on the, the Lebertard interview, that he could have played in the Pro Bowl but didn't want to because he didn't feel right for this first football activity to be the Pro Bowl instead of something with the Dolphins. So that's mm-hmm. that he's he's hinting there that yeah, he could have been ready to play, like, had the Dolphins made a deep playoff run. So, um. But it's kind of it's kind of weird that they didn't start the protocol till the season ended. That's why it took so long uh, for for the whole thing. So really, while he was look, I'll I'll even uh, let me see. Barry Jackson actually, I think, put it in his article uh, also. And I'm going to read it off of uh, Barry's article here. Here we go. Here we go. Here's Barry's article. Uh, maybe later. Um, uh, for concussion protocol, I think the team did the biggest service throughout that they never allowed me to go through protocol normally until the season was done. So that's why it might have seemed like it took forever, but they were just protecting me from myself. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he wasn't in protocol. That means that they, were, they weren't moving him along in the protocol is, that is what that could mean. But they never he said they never allowed me to go through protocol normally until the season was done. Correct. But the protocol involves like five steps. What he what he's what he's saying, I would surmise, is that the part for you to pass to be cleared. Correct. They didn't start doing it until after the season was done. So my point is that the reports were wrong. That they shut him down. What what reports? The reports were wrong. Like, well, if the Dolphins advanced. Yeah, that the, there was never a plan to play him ever at all. No, they shut no him. They, they shut him down after the 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 Green Bay concussion. That they were shutting him down. They shut yeah. him down yeah. exactly. Which makes and sense. He was saying that they protected. I thought that was actually to me. That's what I had heard that he was done. And and I told everybody there's a plan in place. And from the get go, they've been talking about there's a plan. There's a plan. Uh, I took judo, by the way, for for a few years, mm-hmm. and it, judo. The one thing that has always stuck with me is falling, and it's one of the things that in judo they teach you is that you to learn how to fall, to brace your fall, to break your fall. Uh, so I, when he said that, I know it sounded foreign to a lot of people, especially if you've never taken judo uh, before. But it is so, it's part of your lessons. And so your thoughts on on those kind of things that yeah, they're trying. I, I don't want to overblow that because, yeah, and I, and I get it. And I, I've, I've never taken judo, but I've, I've done some wrestling and, and all that. And it's like, yeah, that, that's all great and dandy if you have like a chance to kind of brace yourself. When when you're in the pocket and you got a 300, 300 pound guy who's going to ragdoll you, I don't think that two, the two is going to be able to apply the lessons he's learning judo to be like, okay, I got to fall like this. So I don't, right. 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 I, I wouldn't want to overblow that to me, the bigger issue and no, no, but, but, but it's, it will help you in certain falls, not sure. every fall because sure. you're going to get some, in fact, the last one wouldn't have helped you. Okay. The one where he got tripped up and landed on his back. Well, certainly not the, the one against th- Cincinnati because you just got ragdolled. And the, and the pro- here's the thing with, with, with two. And unfortunately, I don't know how, how that's ever going to happen is he's always going to be vulnerable to getting that kind of whiplash play because he's just not big. Right. And he, he's not thick either. So right. 
this is why, and again, I'm going to go back to the same thing. The two plays where he had the official concussions, he had plenty of time. This is not, these were not normal plays. This is him hanging on to the ball too long. Stop doing that. You're going to reduce your risk by 70%. And yeah, then, my turn. and then if you can, if you can save another 10%, with the judo, the things you learn in judo, now you're up to 80%. And then, and then you basically left with really, really fluky stuff, uh, which is, which is what everybody's at. Everybody has that flukiness that could, you could be out, but yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. And that's what I've said for a long time. His bigger problem more than anything else has always been hanging on to the ball. That's what's brought on all these big time injuries. If he gets rid of the ball and makes quick decisions, you know, there's no way, uh, there's no way that you're going to, you know, um, no. And, and, and the other thing too, is there are other guys and you, and I can see like the counter argument while well, you're going to like waste plays. Okay. That's fine. But Josh Allen can get away with that. Cause he's huge. Patrick Mahomes can get away with that. Cause he's insanely quick in the pocket. Lamar yeah. Jackson, cause he can outrun people to us. Game is precision, timing, accuracy, and all that. It's not like great pure physical like you know natural no. skills no um, it's it's a, it's the same thing as peyton manning actually same thing except peyton's bigger so he could take more hits for correct. it overall but he plays the same way correct. precision make make quick decisions get rid of the football peyton wasn't going to take extra hits either he was going to get rid of the damn football correct. right away and that's all he is he's a smaller version of it and he's got to learn to play the same way some of those statues that have played in this game. Like I've said, Marino's bust and Peyton Manning's bust, they move just as fast as those guys. And they're in the Hall of Fame, bro. Correct. Correct. So, you know, you can make it in the Hall of Fame at a snail's pace. Just make sure you make quick decisions. No, That's and, it. And, and, you'll, and, and you'll live. Tua said it himself last year. It is like his, his natural tendency is to try to make something happen. Like all the time. Well, this he's got to he's got to keep fighting fighting that within himself, and the dolphin coaches have to keep pounding it into him, dude. Your health and staying healthy is more important than that particular third and ten. And if we have to punt, then we punt. I mean, right. Yep. Uh, by the way, Brian nailed it earlier in our interview. I just didn't want to uh, keep going with it, uh, but I'm we're on the back end of it. Sound City okay. is the name of the documentary. So look it up and, oh, brother, it is going to be one of the most enjoyable 90 minutes, two hours of your life uh, and educational. You know, everybody, bro, Fleetwood Mac, Elton John, Led Zeppelin, what you you name it. Everybody recorded the Eagles. Everybody recorded like a, a, a legendary album there. I think Rumors was recorded there in Sound City and shit. Like it, it, it's just it, it, you'll see when you watch that you're gonna go holy shit and he took the soundboard with him because it, they were they were going out of business because digital has taken them out of business mm -hmm. they'll, they'll they'll talk about the whole story about all of that and so he wanted to maintain the 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 soundboard because that soundboard had produced so many amazing albums and so he and he took the soundboard out of Sound City and put it in his studio now. So his personal studio has like that legendary board that has recorded album after album. It's uh, it's it's well worth it. Uh, before I let you go, what are the Dolphins' next moves here? Uh, are, that we are we're expecting over the next couple of weeks here, heading into free agency. 
you mean besides finalizing the coaching staff? Um, I would expect very sooner rather than later a Christian Wilkins extension. Um, the restructurings, there might be restructurings already done that you that those they don't announce unless they involve an extension of some sort. Um, but I can certainly see some of those. And I think you could see a couple of, you know, guys getting released as well. Um, I think Jerome Baker's vulnerable. I think Byron Jones very obviously is vulnerable. Um, but I think number one, because the thing the Dolphins have to do internally is to do the self-scouting and go look at all their 27, I think it is, on unrestricted free agents. Okay, which guys are we bringing back? Which guys are we are we cool with letting go? That's priority number one. And once they do that, and I think they're going to go about like maybe re-signing. I would hope, I think they're going to maybe re-sign some of those guys, um, you know, before free agency starts March 15th. It's interesting that Raheem Mostert did the rounds too at, at the Super Bowl, and I actually wrote a story about it. And the way he talked, it was he was talking like because he's a pending free agent, and in a month he technically doesn't have a team. And the way he was talking is we moving forward, what we got to do and all that. I mean, towards our guy. I mean, it was it was pure. He was pure. He's staying with the Miami Dolphins. And if you know, if you know the the relationship that he and Mike McDaniel have, and the way Mike McDaniel talks about him all the time, it'd be a shock to me if they didn't re-sign him. And it would be it's one of those where why even pro? I'm not even sure. Like Moser goes to the market. I don't know that he can get a, a huge long-term deal because of his injury history. So if he if you were to tell me that they announced it's an extension for him or a new contract for him next week, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. And there could be a couple of other guys like that as well. Dougie Fresh, our uh, our um, resident smartass. He hurt me bad uh, last. Our, our resident smartass says, Alan, don't you think Tua holding on to the ball too long is like swinging at everything? You know, that only works for Vladimir Guerrero. There you go. There you go. Now we're talking. Without gloves, by the way. Without gloves. You always add that with Vladimir Guerrero. That badass is doing it without gloves gloves mm -hmm. and if you don't think that's a big thing you go ahead and grab a wooden bat and hit a 97 mile an hour fastball with no gloves <laughs> it's a guy they used to say about him he doesn't hit it he doesn't hit it where it's pitched he hits it when it's pitched yes that's it he doesn't swing, matter he would swing at everything there was a clip of him it hit a home run the ball's basically like this this far off the ground and he just golfed I, it. I, i've seen it and then he yells four after that <laughs> Yeah, was, I've seen it. It was amazing. He is, he is. He is a freak of all freaks. Follow him on Twitter at Poopart NFL. And remember, you become an official Miami Dolphins fan when you bookmark alldolphins.com so you can get anything and everything this man writes all day long. He writes in his sleep. I'm telling you, he does. He writes in his sleep. He's got like this typewriter there of artificial intelligence. He's just sending it over, and, and he's just producing articles while he sleeps. Alan, thank you as always, my friend. We will catch up later in the week. Sounds like a plan, and I'll uh, try to check out Sound City when I get a chance. Yeah, it's free on YouTube. You can actually check it on YouTube. It's there. They're, they uh, just told me that you can see it on YouTube. So there you go. You don't even need a streaming service. Excellent. All right? You got it. Later. There you go. Alan Poopart, baby. And call my guy, Eric, when you are looking to get work done at EJD Construction, 305-433-4843. A lot of you are running into this issue. You're, you're trying to renew your insurance. 
your hurricane insurance and you're finding out, well, wait a minute, they're telling you your house is a little older than 20 years. We need to upgrade your roof. You need to make sure you update it. And guess what? At EJD Construction, they're doing that for a lot of our listeners all throughout Dade and Broward County. So if you live in Dade or Broward, 305-433-4843, call Eric at EJDconstruction.com. This podcast replay is brought to you by Sports Grill. With over 35 years of making it special grilled, they're celebrating the start of football season with 15% off all bone-in wings. Visit any of their seven locations all over South Florida. Uh, by the way, um, Knight, thank you for the love on the Super Chat. He says, you misunderstanding. Uh, he wasn't allowed to advance forward in the pro. That's my point. That's my point. That he wasn't allowed in the protocol to finish out until after the season. So that report, which I believe it was Schefter that put it out there, well, if two advances or no, there was never a chance you were ever going to see him. That was bullshit. That's what I'm trying to tell you, that they put, and I think I told you guys throughout, he's done. He's not playing anymore. Okay? And then these reports were coming out, and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And now it comes out that, that they did not let him get through the protocol until after the season. That's awesome. That was the right thing to do. And and I'm glad. And, you know, listen, some of you out there, you had this crappy idea about, well, he's not ready for the Pro Bowl. Who gives a shit about the Pro Bowl? The guy, I, I said the entire time, he needs the entire offseason. Did I not say that? Did I not tell you that he didn't need to play anymore? That it was done. There was no reason to. And I'm glad that they thought the same thing from the get-go. So those reports that came out were inaccurate. He had no shot at ever coming back. He was never coming back this season. He was never retiring. He was never leaving football either. That was another silly-ass thing that people put out there. I get it. Listen, some of you out there, you live scared lives. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you 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 want everybody else to live the same scared life that you do, you know? That that's just not the way it goes. He was never quitting, that was never in doubt, none of that crap. But what he needed was rest. And we talked about this because of the Sidney Crosby thing. We talked about this because of the doctor um God, what's the guy's name again? The former hockey player and doctor that's a concussion expert that he, you know, talked about that. So uh, to me, it's just one of those deals where it, this shows you it doesn't matter who it is. You know, sometimes some of these things are. They're just reaching. And they were reaching when they were saying that, well, if Miami advances, there's a shot you could see. No, there was no shot you could see to him. He wasn't even in the protocol yet. You know, they let him do the initial bullshit, but the stuff that he needed in order to clear, they didn't they didn't even allow him to start going through it until the season was over. That's why when McDaniel was asked, he was like, hey, man, we're just worried about him recovering now. And he left it at that. He left it like, we're not even talking about playing with Tua. Go look at those interviews at the end. Every time he was asked about that, it was like, hey, man, we're not even talking about that right now. We're worried about the person. 
And that's because they had moved already forward out of the season. It didn't matter. This was Skyler's team. If they advanced in the second week, it was it was going to be Skyler's team that was going, or you know, if Teddy came back or whatever. But that's the direction that they were going in the entire time. They were never coming back to Tua, which is the smart thing to do. Give him time, let him rest, protect him from himself, because unfortunately, Tua's crazy ass does not protect himself. You know, he is just an absolute warrior, and he will put his body on the line and he will risk anything for his team to try to get a victory. And sometimes that's a little too crazy, you know? So a guy like that needs to be protected from himself. Uh, let's see. Big O, check out Sunset Records Van Halen on YouTube. Okay. Oh, I saw the, yes, yes. The, the uh, early documentaries. Yes, I saw I saw all that stuff. I've seen that. Um, to, 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 sometimes he edits in his sleep. I heard that too with uh, Poopart. Yes. Uh, I agree. That was the best thing for what they did for what they did for Tua. Yes, I agree. Uh, clickbait, probably Alexis. It is a, a clickbait moment for them. Yes. Big O, I think the Dolphins are listening to your show because it's the same thing you said that Penguins did with Sydney. Right. Exactly. You got to give them rest. Yeah. And we told you from the get-go that there was a plan. We told you that line right away. And that's what you've heard from the Dolphins. From Tua, you've heard it from McDaniel, you've heard it even from Chris Greer. You know that they have a plan in place, and and that's now you're now you're hearing about that plan in place for Tua. All right, uh, remember you can reach out to us uh, also by Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show on Cash App or Venmo. Cash Big O Show. Uh, let's see. What else do we have going on here? Let me make sure. And remember, uh, you can send your questions and comments and insults and all kinds of stuff on, on Cash App or Venmo. We will then read them for you there also. Uh, where are the markets right now? Bitcoin crossed over to 22,000 now again. So it's up 2.5%. Ethereum's up four and a half percent now. Maddox up seven. Ada's up eight percent. Nice. Adam uh, Cosmos up four percent. Immutable X up nearly ten percent. I love it. H bar up eight percent. Getting back to nine cents. Damn. Things are moving, which I didn't think they would because, you know, the new CPI was eh, wasn't great. It was a little progress, but not great. Uh, Sean sends me Sound City is a 2013 American documentary film produced and directed by Dave Grohl in his dire uh, direct directorial debut. Uh, about the history of recording studio Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, Los Angeles. There you go. 
Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Big O, uh, what is your perspective on XP on XRP? Um, I don't know how big it's going to be, to be quite honest with you. I haven't heard any banks here in the United States say that they're that are that they're going to use it yet. Um, I'm just hoping that they win their case against the SEC because that'll be good for all of crypto. Um, I have never invested in XRP because crypto is volatile enough. It is a very young asset class. And I don't need to invest in something that's in the middle of a lawsuit with the SEC. That doesn't make a lot of sense for me. So I don't need the extra aggravation. So that's why I have kind of stayed away from XRP. And there are other companies that are competing with XRP for the same kind of services. And they are not in a uh, lawsuit with the SEC right now. And they're trying to work on some of the same things that they need to do here in the U.S. and trying to get ahead of them. So like XLM, by the way, like so there are a couple of, of companies out there. Um, so I'd be I'd be a little concerned on that side with XRP. And I get it, man. There's a lot of aggressive people that own XRP. And I, I almost get like this is going to be a pump and dump. Like when, whenever they do win the lawsuit, there'll be a pump. And then I think there's going to be a lot of dump that a lot of people have been holding on to people that bought it at a higher price and they are dying to get back to where they were to get their money back or make some profit. So I'm going to be very interested to see how this whole XRP thing develops because of there's a lot of people that right now are losing money that they got in XRP at a lot higher price. Yeah, there are people that got into it well over a dollar. And this thing's, you know, what is it, in the 40 cent range, right, XRP? I want to say it's somewhere in the 37 to 42 range or something like that. I'll tell you right now, where is XRP? Hmm. Where are you, XRP? Let me see. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. There it is at 37 cents right now. 37 and a half cents. XRP. Okay. So I'd rather invest in Matic. To be quite honest, if that's what you want, if I'd rather go Matic than XRP, okay? I'd rather go Cosmos than XRP. I'd rather go Immutable X than XRP. I'd rather go HBAR than XRP. Uh, Giovanni Castellone, thank you, sir. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for the love on the Super Chat. Big O, can we talk about how bad the sod was in the Super Bowl? The Slipper Bowl? The Slipper Bowl, it was bad. I mean, but everybody had to play on it. So there was no advantage for anybody on that, on the on either side. Everybody slipped and you know. Uh, I'm I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. 
I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. You know? So that's what happened. You know? But Kansas City was the one that was able to get back up and tear some up. As the late, great DMX would say. Okay? Um, Giovanni also says, I may have moved to another state in North Carolina, but thanks to your show, I feel I never miss a South Florida sports beat. 30 years strong. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Giovanni. Appreciate you, man. That's very nice of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you out there. Yes. And Hernandez says, 37 yesterday. Well, happy birthday, Emilio. Happy late birthday. Okay. Oh, you mean it was, or or are you saying it was 37 cents yesterday? Uh, So, okay. Arizona grounds crew uh, chief looking for a job after that game. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. Oh, who was your Joe Duca at Miami Aerospace Academy. Uh, I was at at um, Miami. Uh, it was at um, Continental Military Institute, but we didn't do we didn't do uh, judo there. It was the South Florida Military Academy. That's what it was. And I forgot who my sensei was, or whatever the hell you call it. What is it, judoka? Um, I forgot the guy's name now. Now that I think about it. I don't even remember who was who was teaching us judo back in the day in South Florida Military Academy. Don't remember. I'd be lying to you if I told you I remember. I mean, you know, you can remember some things in life. I don't remember everything. I don't remember the gentleman. Well, three years with him, and I don't remember. That's weird. Yeah, no, I don't remember his name. I don't even remember the face. No. No. And there are things in life that happen to you you don't remember at all. You know what I'm saying? So this is just one of those where I, I don't remember him at all. Now, now this happens to me a lot in the sense of as time goes on, you forget, you know, things that happen to you. It's funny. I don't, I don't forget, like, sporting events and things like that. But I can forget people and faces and things like that because if i'm not reminded of those faces constantly and then after time you kind of forget you know what i mean because i've I, I a couple of months ago i ran into somebody from from elementary and they recognized me but i didn't recognize them you know what i mean it was like one of those things and by the way is it rude to act like you know somebody or is it more honest or more rude to say oh dude i'm struggling right now i can't remember because that's what i did and then i felt really bad like i should have lied but then if you don't remember then how are you going to remember something that they're going to try to remind you of you know what i mean maybe it jogs your memory but if it doesn't then you're just kind of playing it off and lying to the person so you know it was just one of those where i didn't remember and it's just a weird thing so i don't i don't know what's worse do you just lie to the person and say you do remember them or do you actually tell the truth and say damn dude i'm sorry my memory i don't remember you you know i don't remember you know 
the name or the face or anything. I don't know. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> but either way, you don't feel good about it. <laughs> that, that I can tell you for sure. When you walk away, you don't feel good about it. I could tell you that. That's a fact. And I, I would imagine that that's something natural for all of us. When sports and business collide, we like doing something called the KSDT CPA Sports Business Report. All right, all right, all right. Well, the Chiefs rallied to beat the Eagles 38-35 to in the Super Bowl to become the third most-watched television show in history with an estimated 113 million people watching, according to preliminary numbers released on Monday. Fox said the audience estimates includes the broadcast on Fox, Fox Deportes, as well as streaming on Fox and NFL digital sites, the figures are via Nelson's fast national data and Adobe Analytics. The 2015 game between New England and Seattle on NBC holds the record of 114,442,000 viewers, not including streaming, followed by Super Bowl 51 in 2017 on Fox between Atlanta and the New England Patriots. That had 113,668,000. This was Fox's 10th Super Bowl since it began airing NFL games in 94 and the second most watched program in Fox sports history. It will also be a slight increase over the 112.3 million average from last year's Super Bowl with the Rams and the Bengals, which was broadcasted on NBC, Telemundo, and streamed on Peacock and NFL digital sites. Now, according to Adobe Analytics, uh, this year's digital feed averaged a Super Bowl record 7 million streams, an 18% increase over last year at 16 million, and more than double Fox's last Super Bowl in 2020 of 3.4 million. It was the third straight year the streaming average has surpassed 5 million. The first Super Bowl to be streamed was in 2012 to 346,000 people. So it shows you how it's growing and growing and growing and growing rihanna's halftime show averaged 118.7 million viewers making it the second most watched super bowl history Katy perry's 2015 performance holds the top mark at 121 million Spanish language audience average for the game, 951,000, the most watched Super Bowl game in Spanish language cable television history. It's also the most watched non soccer event in Spanish language cable history. And the Spanish language number is down from last year's of 1.9 million on Telemundo, which, unlike Fox Deportes, has broadcast affiliates in 90 markets. The Super Bowl, by the way, has been televised in Spanish in the United States since 2014 so the super bowl as always producing some amazing freaking numbers that is your ksdt cpa sports business report
This has been the KSDT Sports Business Report. KSDT CPA is one of South Florida's largest and one of the country's fastest growing accounting firms. KSDT is recognized by Forbes as one of the top tax and accounting firms for 2022. KSDT CPA is a full service firm that also excels in crypto. Visit online at ksdtcpa.com or call 305-670-3370. EJ says he went to South Florida Military Academy from 73 to 76. So you went a little before I did. Uh, and his name was Gauche, pronounced G-Wash. I, 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 I don't know. Might have been the same guy. Not sure. Might have been. Not sure. But thank you for the super chat, as always. Appreciate that. Lenny says, I'd rather apologize and let them know that you don't remember. It's better that way. Either way, you still feel kind of crappy, don't you? You feel crappy either way. Yeah, because somebody remembers you and then you don't remember them. And it's like, and you're not trying to, to not remember them. You want to remember them. Obviously, you were friends. You knew each other, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's just the way it is, man. There are just things you don't remember anymore in life. It happened to you. You did. They did to you. Somebody you met. Somebody you hung out with. A classmate. A teacher. Whatever. Shit happens, man. It just you know, out of sight, out of mind. And it just, just one of those things. Dude says, uh, need Metallica for next year's halftime show. Would love it, but I doubt it's going to happen. Did you see McDaniel at the heat game? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Good to see him being a, a part of the South Florida landscape. I like that. I like that. What else do we have going on? Ghost, by the way, has announced its summer tour for you metalheads out there. One of the better new metal bands and a great melodic too uh, sound with them. August 30th, they'll be in Jacksonville at Daly's Place. Can they fix the echo there? Have they? Has anybody gone to Daly's Place lately? Have they fixed kind of the echo? The last time I was there, I did not like the fact that it had an echo effect august 31st they'll be in tampa at the mid florida credit amphitheater no south florida dates unfortunately so if i want to go see ghost i'm going to have to go up to tampa to go see ghost very good very good concert okay that i can tell you you will you will love it Uh, what do we have here? Um, Bradbury also had a hold not given at the start of the game. Yeah, to me, none of that matters. You cre you created to you 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 um you committed two penalties on the same play. You held twice. You got called for it. Too bad. Live with it. Die with it. That's the way it goes. Live and die with it. That's what you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. So to me, I, uh, I have zero sympathy for, for James Bradbury or for the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a penalty that was committed. You put yourself in that position, and this is what ends up happening. So, you know, you remember the hot, the hot teacher's minds was mine was Miss Fernandez. I had a uh, Miss Rodriguez in high school that was hot. She was a 
math teacher, I want to say, or English teacher. She was hot. I don't remember the subject. Then when I was in elementary, we were attracted to Mrs. Stoudemire in Arbendale. She was a tall woman. I remember correctly. We had a, I had a couple of of uh, hot for teachers. Yeah, there were a couple, not many, not many. I'm trying to remember if there were any other ones. I think I only remember two. One in high school and one in 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 elementary. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, EJ says, oh, pronounced wash. Ring a bell now. And Jimmy's coming in with Sound City. So it all depends. You can tell where somebody's at on the show, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate you with the Sound City stuff, man. Uh, it's funny because in the middle of uh, Poop Art's interview, minutes later, it's Sound City's coming in and all that. So I appreciate all of you out there. Uh, keeping up with the show and uh, and chiming in. That's very, very nice of you all. Uh, what else do we have going on? All right, so UM is off till Saturday when they take on Wake Forest. Hey, the Dynamic Duds are 2-0 and right now. You know who the Dynamic Duds are? Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. The Dynamic Duds, 0-2. Fantastic. Last night, they teamed up to score 69 points. They also had 12 assists and six turnovers combined, and they ended up losing to the T-Wolves, 124 to 121. And they lost in their first game together against the Kings. Yeah. And in that game, they combined to score 55 points, 12 assists and seven turnovers also. Wednesday, they will take on the team that Miami just lost to in the Denver Nuggets. Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Now, the the Mavs are going to be willing to give you that stupid contract that you want, Kyrie. The only thing, the only question I have is if things go awry here and they don't get good results, which I don't expect them to get good results, to be quite honest. They play no defense whatsoever. It's this whole this whole thing. Like, what are you going to do? Just outscore people? Well, so far you're zero for two on that. We'll find out if they if it if it turns out to be a better deal. But where does Kyrie go if this thing doesn't really produce at the end of the year? And then if he becomes an outright free agent, he can't sign for the same kind of money because only a bad team will have the cap space for you. But if you want to go to play with LeBron or somebody, you know, an elite team or not that they're elite, but if you want to play with LeBron, they're not going to have a lot of cap space for you. So you're going to have to take a lot less to go there. It's a very interesting dynamic that's developed for the Dallas Mavericks who are stuck in a position that they have no choice they're going to have to offer him a big contract because they gave up all the all, all the stuff to just trade for him so you're going to have to justify it by giving him a deal but in the end you may not be getting a team that actually can produce 
big in the playoffs or even come close to a championship. Luka Doncic does not does not take care of himself. As I told the guys before, if you're young, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you're older, you will. But right now, Luka Doncic reminds me of Bryant Big Country Reeves. Just a smaller body, but the same kind of square body, overweight. And then he's playing that that old man game that you can get away with it. You know, I mean, Jokic gets away with it. If you know how to use your body and all of that, you can do that. And you can you can play like that in the NBA. You know, that there's no there's no doubt in my mind you can do that in the NBA. But. You know, if you're Luca, you're this young, brother, you should be in much better shape. You should be skinnier. You should be more agile. All of that kind of stuff. If you actually took care of yourself and he doesn't take care of himself, you can tell that he's kind of looks like me playing basketball, except with a lot more talent. But if you look at his body, Brother, he reminds me of Brian Big Country Reeves, just a smaller version of it. The dynamic duds. Because right now, that's what that is going to be. An absolute dud to watch those two guys together who, God. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's see if she was a math teacher, you could have used the line. I got math for you. You plus me equals us. Wow. That's a, that's a really bad line. Um, what else do we have? Thank you, EJ. I appreciate you, man. Giovanni says, yes, I forgot that Reeves guy. LOL. Oh man. Luke is nothing like Reeves. You you you're you're not listening to me. I'm just talking about the body. That's it. I did not compare the game whatsoever. Some of you out there, you got to listen to me. Okay? His body is built like Brian Big Country Reeves, except a smaller version of it. Seriously, he looks exactly like Big Country Reeves his body. If you remember Big Country, same body, just a smaller version of it. That's it. Completely different basketball players. But I'm not comparing the basketball players. I'm just comparing his lack of, you know, being in shape. That he looks like Brian Big Country Reeves, smaller version. That's all. Completely different game. Hell, he even has the haircut that's almost like. What do you got for me? Oops, sorry. Uh, yes. Bruce Feldman uh, just tweeted out, source, uh, Miami is set to hire Houston, Miami Hurricanes, sorry, before I go crazy here, uh, hire Houston OC QB coach Shannon Dawson as offensive coordinator and QB's coach. Dawson spent years under Dana Holgerson. Ross Dellinger first reported the hire. Okay. All right. Well, then, perfect. Now let's get to Manny Navarro. 
And let's talk about this breaking news with the Miami Hurricanes and our Canes where Miami Hurricanes repost. If you're a Miami sports fan, then there's only one store to go to. And that's Caneswear at Miami Fanwear in Davie. They're your one-stop shop for all your inner Miami CF, Canes, Dolphins, Panthers, and Marlins merchandise. They have hats, t-shirts, game day jerseys, and so much more. Located at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. And open 24-7 online at Caneswear.com or innermiamiware.com. Call them at 954-835-5597. Caneswear, the spot where inner Miami and all Miami sports fans shop. The viewpoint, statements, or beliefs expressed on the following program by the host, guests, or callers are not necessarily the opinions of FantasyXS.com, media grouping, ownership, management, sponsors, or website. Time for Canes fans to get what they want. Information, insight, and perspective. It's the Canes Wear Miami Hurricanes Report with Manny Navarro. Exclusively on a Big O Radio Show. Here's Big O and insider Manny Navarro. All right, all right, all right. We are interviewing a black polar bear in a, um, what's that called? A, uh, what's where, where, where they do, they where they develop the pictures. What's that called? A dark room. There you go. A black polar bear in a dark room. We will get, uh, we will get Manny Navarro back. There he is. There, baby. There he is. Breaking news. Follow Manny on Twitter, by the way, Manny underscore Navarro. Shannon Dawson. Apparently, uh, Mario was a big, you know, um, what's it called? Um, freestyle guy back in the day. He loved Give Me Tonight. <laughs> you know, he, he, he used to go to the clubs all the time and go see Shannon. So he figured he'd have an offensive coordinator named Shannon That's to right. kind of uh, move move up in the charts, as mm-hmm. they say. <laughs> yeah, glad it's over and done with, though. I mean, Shannon Dawson's a name that uh, Bruce Feldman told me about two weeks ago uh, as a guy that Mario liked, and I know he was one of the ones that came in and interviewed last week. Uh, so it was good that uh, he finally reached a decision. It gives him three weeks to uh, come in and implement the offense before spring football. Um, I know it's uh, he coaches an air raid type offense, but in reality, Mario, um, I think, has said that, uh, you know, he, he's going to run more of a, of a balanced offense. Right. And uh, and so I think uh, I think ultimately here, you know, you can expect a, a more of a spread open offense, more of a pass friendly offense. But at the same time, it's not going to abandon the run. They're still going to run the football. Yeah. But what I like about this is from at least initial stuff that we're talking about here, he also realizes that in today's game, it has to evolve. You got to right. score points, dude. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's like watching the Heat, and then we got people like, well, maybe we'll go get Russell Westbrook. Oh, that's great. So he can show, show, uh, join two-point shooter Jimmy Butler, two-point shooter Kyle Lowry, two-point shooter Bam Adebayo in a three-point league. Sorry, yeah. it doesn't work. Let's not keep <laughs> adding to your problem that you guys can't score with a fistful of dollars in a whorehouse. So let's get to this. And in college football, brother, defenses don't dominate anymore. They just don't. More, more often than not, it's making plays in certain points of games and things like that, your defenses. But your offenses need to be explosive 
in today's, you know, college football. You got to score points. So it's got to be a mix. Yeah, I believe that in heart and soul he wants to run, but I think he also figures, like, look what they did the year before, and then what we did this year, we drastically changed the offense, and we weren't potent enough to hang in there with other games. Yeah, there's no question. you got to be able to score points. And, and really, I mean, every, every team in college football nowadays, you look at the national championship game, 65-7, to seven, right? Um, you know, Georgia doesn't run an air raid type offense, but they score a lot of points. And that's the key to it all is explosion and being able to to light up the scoreboard in a lot of different ways. And so, uh, look, it's another smart guy in college football guy who's been around the game a long time. Um, you know, I know he's with Geno Smith at West Virginia at one point when West Virginia had those ridiculous offenses that were putting up 70 points a game or whatever it was, uh, you know, so. Uh, I think the potential's there. The key, ultimately, in all of this, though, I will tell Miami fans this till I'm blue in the face. Go out and get some playmakers, man. Go out and recruit some playmakers. And, you know, I think that little fact that I just spit out about his relationship with Geno Smith, well, guess who Geno Smith's um, cousin is, okay? Uh, it's it's the, the number one receiver in the country this year who, who goes to Hollywood, Shamanat, J.J. Smith. So, uh, you know, keeping it in the family, so to speak, in terms of, a guy that the family's familiar with as far as offensive coordinator. So I think this will help Miami in recruiting the number one receiver in the country in their own backyard. Okay. Now the other thing, he kind of went young with those coordinators, right? On defense and offense. He yeah. I mean, Doss has been around the game for over 20 years and so is Gidry. I mean, young, young in the sense of, you know, they're not in their sixties, like steel. Right. And, they're like, and those aren't they in their forties? Aren't these guys no, in their forties? I, I think Shannon's fifties, uh, early fifties as well, if I'm not mistaken. I got to okay. look up his All age, right. but he's been around. I know. I mean, I know he's been around um, since, uh, you know, the early West Virginia days when, when they were still pretty good in the early 2000s. So, uh, I mean, over 20 years at the FBS level, Gidry's, same thing. He's been around for over 20 years coaching, you know, McNeese State, uh, you know, Western Kentucky, FAU, uh, you know, all, all of Marshall, all over the place. Uh, so these guys have been around. They're just G5 guys. They're not Power 5 guys per se in terms of, you know, having come from Power 5 programs like the last couple coordinators were. So, um, look, bottom line is, man, um, you got it done. It's over and done with. Miami fans can uh, can 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 take solace and that they have an offensive coordinator. Now they just got to go out and fill the rest of the positions, get the linebackers coach. I think it'll be Jason Taylor. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, if, if Mario can convince him to, to, to take a step up and be on the staff, that he'll do it. Um, I think, uh, I think as far as, you know, receivers coach, we'll see who they end up looking at. I know James Coley is a co-offensive coordinator at uh, Texas A&M. You know, he coaches wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, you know, maybe Miami's able to convince him or it's Leonard Hankerson who's uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, uh, a guy who obviously played at Miami and turned out to be pretty good. So, you know, we'll see who we get to, at those other positions on the assistant staff. But the bottom line is, hey, you know what? Spring football's three weeks away. They got the number seven recruiting class in the country. Fifteen of those kids are on campus. You've got eight transfers. Let's get this ball rolling, man. Let's start getting towards 2023 and, and, and more results on the field. And, and probably not nothing really to look into, but should there be any concerns that, several coaches left in this offseason or is this just part of the transition of trying to figure out what's your staff yeah i mean i think again i, I said this to you last week oh i think you know being on the west coast uh having a staff that you set up for over there for those recruits on the west coast right the, the guys at oregon's the guys that fit oregon's culture 
when you come over to Miami and you and you bring some of those coaches with you and you have to hire new guys and be on a coast that you haven't been on in five to six years, you know, I think you look at some resumes and say, oh, this guy's going to fit great. You know, this guy's going to fit great when you do your first sort of coaching hires. And then you get into the into the room with them and you figure, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought. And so I think there'll be some more, you know, changes. And, and is it a bad thing? Not necessarily. Um, because you were five and seven last year. It didn't work, right? Like you're not losing guys after a, a 10 or 11 win season. And they're like, oh, we can't work with this guy. No, it's, it's hey, uh, these, these guys weren't a good fit. We got to get this right. So I think it's more along those lines than anything else. Anything on the recruiting side we should know about? Uh, look, I, I went and I watched a couple of these kids. I mean, they're, they're, they're just really beginning with the 2024 class in terms of getting commitments and getting guys on board. You know, I think towards March and April, after kids visit on junior day for the first practice on March 4th, you'll probably start to see some commitments and guys that want to pledge to the program, but we're still very early in the process. And part of that is you didn't have an offensive coordinator, right? Like you fired, you had, you had your guy go out really back in December is when they made all these decisions. Not, not recently. Uh, they weren't announced till recently, but you know, you were going through that process of, well, who the hell's going to coach, you know, quarterbacks, who's going to coach receivers who, you know, all of those questions are going to be answered. Now those recruits are going to be able to come in, meet those guys, be recruited by those guys. So, it's good that they don't have a bunch of commitments right now. And you're like, well, are these guys, are these coaches even going to want these players? So you have lots of time. You got 10 months until signing day. Um, and, you know, if you go out and you take care of business on the field and you play better than you did last year, then you're going to have good players who still want to come here. By the way, Dawson's 45 years old. There you go. 45. But I know he's been in it a long, long time. So, yeah. But what I mean is he didn't go out and get old guys like grizzled veterans. He got right. kind of younger guys that, you know, I think might be, um, let's just say, hipper to what's going on in college football. You know, and, 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 and I and something tells me that they've got to have some kind of strength in their recruiting, too. Right. There's got to be something. There. Well, Gidry, Gidry's really good at identifying. Listen, these guys have recruited at the lower levels of college football. Right. And 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 so when you don't recruit at, you know, when you're not recruiting for Georgia and Alabama and Michigan and, and places that are used to getting the five-star kids, you're used to having to look for qualities in the lower-ranked kids, and you're able to identify guys that you think you can turn into better players. And so, and and it makes you hungry because you got to fight to get these kids to come to your school, right? So I think from that regard, you know, Gidry, from what my understanding is, he, he's a really good talent evaluator. A lot of the guys that he identified in the transfer portal, seven of them uh, came in and started for him at Marshall last year started games for them and, and were part of the best, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. Um, and, and Shannon Dawson, I mean, look, he's been uh, all over the place. He's had good quarterbacks uh, and, and he's been around good quarterbacks. I mentioned Geno Smith earlier at Houston. They've had some guys that put up huge numbers. I think his quarterback last year had 40 touchdowns yeah. and, and 10, 10 interceptions, something like that. Some four to one ratio of, of, of touchdowns, interceptions. So, I mean, they find guys that aren't necessarily big name guys that become productive. So, I think that's a plus. And, and you know, Miami, um, with, with Mario, he's the elite recruiter anyway. He's the guy that's going to convince the best players to come here. Um, these guys, I think, will be <clears throat> hungrier than their predecessors. Let's hope so. All right, what are you working on over at uh, The Athletics so folks can check you out, my friend? Well, lots of uh, coverage on Shannon Dawson will be coming out soon. Um, you know, stuff that we've been preparing and, 
Uh, I think, uh, you know, we will have a lot of recruiting stuff. I'm going to be doing, coming out with my top 12 uh, players to watch in Florida for 2024. That'll, that'll be out later this week. Um, you know, a lot of stuff to read. We, uh, Bruce, Bruce Feldman and I just put out a story on Lance Gidry. Uh, it came out a couple days ago, um, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty in-depth feature on him. You want to check that out, get some more information. We talked to Sunbelt uh, coaches, uh, guys that coached against him in the conference the last two years. I talked to one of his former players, um, and, and that's, you know, just to get their inside take on, on why he's good at what he does. There you go. Follow him on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. And more importantly, subscribe to The Athletic because they do a phenomenal job of coverage every single day. Manny, as always, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you immensely. All right, thanks. You got it. There you go. Don't forget, you order over $99. You will get free shipping, so you can get anything and everything with a Canes logo on it. They've also got Inter-Miami gear. We've got Inter-Miami starting, what is it, February 25th, I think it is, against Montreal. So you can get uh, a new kit there. You want to get a new jersey. Go uh, cheer on the team. We got heat gear. We got Marlins gear. We got baseball right around the corner, too, coming up. We got Oki. Yeah, the Panthers are playing right now. You want to get some Panther stuff? They got all kinds of stuff there. 2511 South University Drive in Davie. If you want to visit it from anywhere in South Florida, get on out there right off of 595. So it's easy in, easy out. And right next to uh, La Spada, you can also have a nice little sub there, too, at the same time. There you go, spot a free plug for you guys. Anyway, so get on out there, 2511 South University Drive. And if you can't get there, go online at caneswear.com, and you can check it out for yourself. Order over $99. You will get free shipping anywhere. Jeff and the boys, they ship out right away, so you will get it immediately. That is our Caneswear Miami Hurricanes report. If you're a Miami sports fan, then there's only one store to go to. And that's Caneswear at Miami Fanware in Davie. They're your one-stop shop for all your inner Miami CF, Canes, Dolphins, Panthers, and Marlins merchandise. They have hats, t-shirts, game day jerseys, and so much more. Located at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. And open 24-7 online at Caneswear.com or innermiamiware.com. Call them at 954-835-5597. Caneswear, the spot where inner Miami and all Miami sports fans shop. Welton Rayom has more than 62 years of litigation experience handling insurance disputes. They're committed to resolving even the toughest insurance claims quickly. Call them for a free consultation. 954-966-4646. At Welton Rayom, they don't get paid unless you win. Property damage claims to your home, business, or condo as a result of a hurricane. Welton Rayom can help. Water, mold, fire, smoke damage, Welton Rayom can help. Call 954-966-4646. Oh, great. You have a doorbell camera. Now you have a front row seat to your house getting robbed. 
They're breaking into my house! Ooh, there goes the TV. I'm sure it'll turn up at the pawn shop. No, not the TV! Just because you can see them, that doesn't mean you can stop them. With Slowmans, you get 24-hour monitoring, a free home security system, and professional installation. Plus, free doorbell camera, one that'll actually work for you. Get out of my house! Get out of the house! Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. There's no need to drive around South Florida wasting valuable time looking for a new or certified pre-owned Acura. Go to the number one volume sales dealership in the Southeast United States. Craig Zinn's Acura of Pembroke Pines. Purchase with pace and space in a dealership tailored to your needs. From home buying to providing that personal touch. Contact the 2020 Satisfaction Award winner Craig Zinn's Acura of Pembroke Pines. 888-776-5123. That's 888-776-5123. Or visit them at 15601 Pines Boulevard in Pembroke Pines. Welcome to Red Light Therapy, a revolutionary technology perfected by NASA to aid in muscle strengthening and recovery. Red and infrared light has the capacity to penetrate deep into the cell's mitochondria, potentially leading to increased energy, faster recovery, and the optimal performance your body demands. Train, fight, recover. or callers are not necessarily the opinions of FantasyXS.com, media group, ownership, management, sponsors, or website. When it comes to South Florida sports teams, very few in the media have witnessed, lived, and covered it like the Big O. Let's start the program dedicated to your favorite South Florida teams with a passion that's unmatched. The Big O Radio Show is on. Here's the Big O. Alrighty, alrighty, welcome back. We uh, are wrapping up hour number two here as we lead you to the noon hour. And uh, Andy Barons, by the way, is set to join us in hour number three. Uh, Luis Sao Fuentes says, Big O, you're right. Fangio's future scares me. I noticed, too, how bad they called that defense against Mahomes. Too passive. Um, I did not tell you. I never said you. You're right. Uh, future scares me, Fanjo. I never said anything. All I just brought up again. You guys got to listen to the host and listen to what we're actually talking about. Okay. Uh, all I said was nobody mentioned this, but you guys would be killing Fangio right now if they did not get a sack. And it was the Dolphins. That's all I said. Not that he's not a that he's bad, that I'm worried, that I'm concerned or that, but I'm just telling you, you know, and it and it kind of also shows you, and I wanted to show you that example also because it was funny because I made an example, I don't know, a week or two ago. I was in the car, I was going to uh, Chick-fil-A to get my breakfast, and I uh, turned on Joe Rose. Like I normally do in the morning when I'm driving. I, I listen to my man, Joey. He does a really good job. 
Um, and, you know, he had a guy named Mark Ross on, and he's a former NFL executive that supposedly knows the league, supposedly follows the league, and said, you know, oh, Fangio's defense is an aggressive attacking and I almost drove off the road and, you know, we brought on Benjamin Albright who actually covers the Broncos and covered Fangio and says, Hey, uh, just want you to know that his defense is not really an attacking defense. It's more of a bend don't break force you into mistakes kind of defense, you know, forces you to be perfect down the field and all that stuff. And if you looked at that game plan as aggressive and as, attacking as that Philadelphia defense was, they were nowhere near Mahomes. And that's all I brought up, that I just wanted to bring it up, that I'm glad that Fangio is here. I think it's a great hire, right? But if he's helping that defense out or whatever, I just want you to know they didn't pick up anything along the way because they weren't necessarily aggressive enough and they didn't get to you know, Mahomes at all. And if you can't get to Mahomes, how in the hell are you going to stop him? You know? And and then I was told and corrected that Fangio was there also to, more to help the offense out. Well, you know, they did give up turnovers and, and they gave up uh, points too in that sense. So I don't think he helped much on that end either. I'm just saying. So. Again, great hire, but I just want to be fair because I don't hear anybody talking about that. And then that's a level of phoniness because I know that if this was the Dolphins instead of the Eagles, you guys would be ripping Fangio right now. How can his defense not get any pressure on Mahomes? How can they lead the league in sacks and then not show up in the Super Bowl? That's what you'd be doing to Fangio if that was the Miami Dolphins and not the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody's too busy talking about the one play that, you know, whether they should have called that or not or whatever, nobody is talking about what I brought up. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. So that way there's no level of phoniness out there, okay? And if something happens next year, and you're going, well, wait a minute, this defense isn't as aggressive. And it's like, well, we told you this. Ben Albright told you this, warned you about this. And did you see in the Super Bowl? He's assisting. And yet, and by the way, you saw Poopart says he's gotten conflicting reports about Fangio helping out also on defense. So, to me, he has to be helping out also on defense. I heard the defensive coordinator for the Eagles gushing about how he loves working with Fangio. So, Tua Time says, Big O, I'm assuming you know a lot about radio history. Where would you rank Howard Stern in the history of radio? It all depends on how you look at it, my friend. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as an interviewer, he is probably the, the, the number one guy I've, I've seen at getting honesty out of people. That's how I would describe, um, you know, whether you want to think he's the best or not or whatever, I don't really give a shit. But I'll tell you this, he's the best at getting his interview 
the person that he's interviewing to open up the interviewee. He is very good at getting them to open up. Okay. That is what I will say about Howard Stern. Everything else is subjective. You know, everything is subjective in life, especially sports talk or regular talk or political talk or comedy talk or whatever it is. You're going to like who you like because of the person, their style, their personality, their delivery, their preparedness, their insight, whatever it is, you're going to like something. Some of you will like a person because of their physical attributes. That's that. Luckily, I've never had that issue because I've got a face for radio. But, you know, some of you may like somebody because they're pleasant to look at good looking man or woman or whatever it is. And it makes you feel comfortable or maybe it's their voice or something. So all that kind of stuff is subjective. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'll give you this about Howard Stern that I would say over almost anybody I've ever seen is that he'll get them to open up. And that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a gift uh, for an interviewer. And he's got that, he excels at that gift more than anybody I've ever seen in my life overall. How about that? I'll give you that. That's what I can tell you. This podcast replay, it's brought to you by Nature B. Hey, it's Big O in a virus-filled world. Boost your immune system the way I have for 20 years. Two capsules a day, sustained energy all day long. Order at naturebee.com and use my code Big O for free shipping. Naturebee.com. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. That offense put up 35. 11 in the second half, my brother. That's the same thing I get the excuse makers for uh, Justin Herbert. Now, you can look at the total points all you want. He scored three points in the second half. So, yeah, uh, that's where you spin stats and you try to, well, he scored 30-something. What'd you score when it counted? Oh, okay. Okay. So you did good front running, but then, you know, when – Everything was tight. What happened? It's like the Baltimore Dolphins game. I don't give a shit what the Ravens did in the first half and took a 21-point lead. What happened in the second half when they started to come back on your ass and they, start, they stopped you and they scored and they stopped you and they scored and they stopped you and they scored? What did you do? <laughs> so, you know, the total don't mean shit to me. That's a weak-ass excuse. Oh, they put up 35. What'd you do in the second half when it counted? Okay? If you're going to put 35 up, well, then 25 of it better be in the second half, not in the first half. That doesn't help me. Okay? Show up when it counts. Don't be a front-runner. UM's new OC, what's the word, O? Rewind. That's the word. Manny Navarro was just interviewed. Rewind. I'm excited to see Fangio's defense. I guarantee it will be better than Chuck Studley or Oliver Dotti. <laughs> Chuck Studley. Wow. That is that is a painful past. Anybody could put together a better defense than the vanilla man, Oliver Dotti. Big O favorite band 
in the last 20 years? It's a really good question. Favorite band of the last 20 years. It's not here. You know, I, I might I might just go Greta Van Fleet. Might just do that. Because Foo Fighters in the 90s. Um Clutch might be close. Clutch might be 2000s or late 90s. Um Hailstorm is another one that I love. Last 20 years. They're definitely in the last 20 years. It's a really good question. Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go I'm going to have to give an edge. In the last 20 years, Greta might be that band that I absolutely love in the last 20 years. I mean, there's a couple of bands that I really, really like a lot, too. But, um, yeah, do me a favor, Sean. Tell me, Clutch, the band, what year it started. Yeah, probably it's in Wikipedia. You can probably Wikipedia and put Clutch Band. Because obviously the car part is going to end up coming out if you put clutch. Um, but I think that's pretty close to, I want to say clutch started either late 90s or early 2000. I got on them way late, but I love clutch. That's a really good band. Um, 91. Oh, wow. Wow. Even way before. Yeah, no. So they don't count. Um. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one guy says, Greta, how dare you? Hey, you don't like Greta? I love Greta. Sorry. I love Greta. Uh, Big O, I see Fangs making McDaniel a better coach by his advice and a and to a better player by practicing against his defense. I'm 33 years old, and I never felt so excited for my fins. I hope so, man. I'm with you there. I am excited about both coordinators. Uh, taking over. Oh, by the way, Texas Hippie Coalition is right up there. Texas Hippie Coalition. They're definitely the last 20 years. They're probably the last 10 or 15, I want to say. Uh, so I'll go Texas Hippie Coalition is another one that's right there in the last 20 years that I that I absolutely love. Um, oh, what would be more torturous? Listening to Yoko Ono sing or listening to Marjorie Taylor Green talk for an hour? Oh no, Marjorie Taylor Green. I mean that 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 bitch is the devil. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, that is. I mean that's if evil was walking the face of the earth, it's definitely Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Green. I mean there's there's nothing more disgusting than that thing, Marjorie Taylor Green. Okay. I'll I'll put up with Yoko Ono for sure. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene or no, dude, I'd rather have bamboo stuck in my nails than have to do anything with that evil piece of crap, Marjorie Taylor Greene. That thing is not even human. So, yeah, no. Uh, Texas Hippie, you got me into them. They're so good. They're so freaking good. I got to tell you. You know who I also love? The Rival Sons. Love that band. They're also in the last 10 years, I want to say. 10, 12 years. So there's a couple of them. You know? There's a couple that I like from new bands. Um, Let me see. Uh, did you have a Johnny Cash story? No, I don't have any Johnny Cash stories I can share. Just love his music. That's all I can tell you. Queens of the Stone Age for me. You know, they're all right. I, I've never really, like, gotten deep into them, but they're all right. MTG on point O. Who you got, Michael Jackson or Prince? Um, the, the artist, the complete artist, you go with Prince. The music, I go with Michael Jackson. Okay, Jackson won for music, Prince for the completeness that he can write and and sing and do and play every instrument and and all of that stuff. You know, Prince to me and Bruce Springsteen and those kind of guys are at another level musically than most because they're just not just singers and songwriters, but they're also like true musicians. You know, and that's the thing that Prince doesn't get enough credit for how good of a musician he was. That's the part that I think we cheat Prince from. Okay. You know, people see him play guitar, but he plays every instrument and he can write every instrument and write all the music for all the songs. And I, I believe his first album, and I think I believe his first two albums. I believe he's the only one that played all the instruments. I think that's how the story goes. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that. I want to say in the first and second albums that he he wrote all the music for everything. Which again, I don't think I don't think people give Prince enough credit for his sick amount of talent. Seriously. How well-rounded that man was is uh, is impressive as hell. Uh, what else do we have here? Josh Holm from Queens is such a diverse, late-blooming artist. Great story. My uncle Chris Goss is his producer. Ah, okay. Big O, I just discovered Blackfoot all over again. What do you think? Wow. Train, train. Take me on out of this town. Yeah. Uh, that woman I'm in love with. Yeah, I love uh, a little... Um, what's his name? <sighs> Leonard Skinner guy, heart and soul from uh, Blackfoot. Oh. Damn it. 
forgetting his name now. Uh, he's been with he's been with Leonard Skinner forever, and uh, try not to look at the chart at the at the chat because I one of you will get it and you'll send it to me and and then it'll be ruined for me and then you know I'm trying to remember the damn guy's name and I can't remember it. And I'm pissed because I can't remember it. Don't want to look down on the chat board. God, what's his name? Dude, it's right there on the tip of my tongue, and I just can't mention it. Oh, God bless. Oh, no. I don't want to take up too much time because this is brutal for you guys. All right, I'll look. Medlock, you bastards. Ricky Medlock, yes, that's it. That's it, that's it. Vocals, Freddy. Ver it, it ends once you say Freddy, bro. It ends. It ends. Michael had a great voice, but... It did not have the range that that Freddie had because very few human beings were born with the range that Freddie has, you know? So that's not even close. Once you compare vocals and you say Freddie, it's an insult to just mention anyone else next to Freddie. Just is. As great as Michael Jackson was, no, he's not Freddie Mercury. No, not even close. He's Freddie Mercury. Not even close. It's like a, Freddie Mercury is another talent when it comes to voice. Um, what's it called? Uh, I I I missed uh, I missed the Cutter's Edge hat. Yeah, we just had a Cutter's Edge hat on just a few minutes ago. Should give away a couple. Love me some Blackfoot back in the day. Definitely. I know Medlock is not in Blackfoot anymore. Uh, he's always been in Skinnerd, and Blackfoot's kind of been his side project. Now, he still runs it. He still owns the trademark and everything. He has three guys that tour as Blackfoot. None of them are the original members, but Ricky Medlock is making money still from the Blackfoot trio that you see now keeping the music alive he's making money off of that those people are his employees uh playing in the blackfoot band i don't know if you know that but ricky is still in charge actually i believe the new album that they did last i believe he was the producer of it if i'm correct i want to say because they did a, a a an album recently Let me see Blackfoot Band, and I can go to discograph discography, and yes, they did one. What is it now? Two thousand and fifteen, Southern Native. And let me see if they have it here. Um, I don't know if they have it in the info here i'm not sure but anyway um 
What's it called? Where is it again? Let me see. Uh, okay. We go. There we go. Uh, I guess uh, I can't find the album online, so I can read its uh, its things. But I'm I'm pretty sure of it that he's like in control of the band, and then then that's kind of what it is. But yeah, I know he's not part of it. Uh, Big O, where do you put the original Van Halen on your list of favorite bands? Oh, it's it's right up there, man. Van Halen is one of my favorite bands of all time. That uh, that original album has my favorite songs, which is On Fire. Um, that that for me is my favorite Van Halen song and 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 Eddie Van Halen riff. Uh, I also love Atomic Punk is another song on that album that is just absolutely amazing. That is a perfect album from beginning to end. You don't have to skip a song or anything. Every song is just absolutely dominant. Uh, no, I did not know the band is still Medlock's band, even though he is not in it. Yep, yep, it's it's all his. Um, Big O, I keep telling people that the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC every year. Well, they are right now. Until Until this guy is done. Uh, if he has the right people around him, he has a chance every year to to win. You know? Oh, would you consider the current version of Blackfoot to be considered? Oh, yeah, of course it's a cover band. A complete cover band. Yeah, without Medlock and the boys, you you have a cover band. Yeah, I wouldn't go see this Blackfoot. I have I have not. No, actually, I did see this Blackfoot. They were, I didn't go for them. I went to uh, another concert and they were opening up and I forgot which one it was, but yeah, definitely. So what's, um, come on, it's Rick Springfield. What's, what's going on with Rick Springfield? Van Halen in any form is my favorite band. Hell of a band hell of a band uh by the way when sports and business collide we like doing something called the ksdt cpa sports business report Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. The NBA, by the way, has a current TV deal that ends uh, in the 24-25 season. The league can now start uh, talks with companies other than Disney before April of 2024, unless both waive exclusive negotiation rights. Apple and Amazon are also interested in the streaming packages. NBC is prepared to make a bid to win back the NBA's domestic rights, according to CNBC. Disney and Turner Sports have broadcasted the NBA in the U.S. for more than 20 years, having taken over the rights from NBC Universal in 2002. But Comcast-owned network has reportedly informed the league of its interest. 
NBC Sports is believed to want a package that would include playoff games to air on NBC broadcast networks. Some regular season games could be exclusive to the media giants Peacock streaming services, although the NBA may also decide to force media companies to simulcast all games on streaming to increase reach. The NBA's next right rights cycle kicks in from 2025 and the league reportedly is eyeing a massive 75 billion dollar deal up from its current 24 billion dollar arrangement signed in 2014 two things that go with this one this shows you why they don't give a shit in the regular season why players are constantly missing even though they're paying them oodles of cash to play 82 games and you would think they'd play somewhere in the neighborhood of 75, 80 games, miss a couple of games here or there. But a lot of these stars are playing 60 games and they're missing a quarter of the season, you know, pretty much. And this is where they get their money, the TV rights, not from your tickets. And they can maybe act like it's might bother them and they'll address the situation. But in the end, but when they sit down with the CBA and they sit down with the players unions and all that, and they're going to talk about load management and injuries and all that kind of stuff. And do you want them for the playoffs and all that? So they really don't give a crap about the fan. It's not important if you're not in your seat. And then here's the second thing. Why you're seeing these companies bid big time for them. Pandemic. The pandemic taught these networks something. We cannot depend on regular TV shows and movies and all that. That will die out if we have emergencies. Sports was our saving grace during the pandemic. Sports leagues got back on track right away. That gave us programming. So if we can buy 162 baseball games, 82 hockey or, 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 or basketball games, 16 to 20 NFL games, because you start throwing in playoffs and preseason and everything else that goes with it, that is content. And not that there's another pandemic waiting, but the fact that if you do have certain emergencies and if they are medical emergencies or whatever, sports seems to be the one thing that is the shining light in television programming that will fight through all kinds of adversities. Okay. In the sixties in Houston, they played an Oilers game the week days or a day or two before a hurricane was about to land. Okay. They played right after uh, the president was shot. Kennedy and Roselle was, criticized forever you got the pandemic and there was sports to bail you out once again sports has been that anchor and television has realized that so even if they're slightly overpaying they're also paying for the security blanket of having the consistency of sports that is your ksdt cpa sports business report
This has been the KSDT Sports Business Report. KSDT CPA is one of South Florida's largest and one of the country's fastest growing accounting firms. KSDT is recognized by Forbes as one of the top tax and accounting firms for 2022. KSDT CPA is a full service firm that also excels in crypto. Visit online at KSDTCPA.com or call 305-670-3370. All right, let's get into a little Dolphins, a little NFL, a little Super Bowl. Andy Barrett and our Sports Grill Miami Dolphins and NFL Draft Report. While the NFL plans for the 2023 season, the Big O Radio Show keeps you informed by tracking everything from free agency, trades, draft, and all the news you can handle. It's the SportsGrill.com Dolphins and NFL Draft Report with Yahoo Sports Andy Barrett. Right there, he is. Welcome back, my friend. Hope uh, you're in a better place right now. Good to be with you, Big O. It is. It is very good to be back after a after a classic Super Bowl. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? I am doing great. Can't complain. Unless I guess you're an Eagles fan, then you can complain all season <laughs> long. So you can flip uh, cars. You can take to the streets. You can. Yeah, that was that was a scene. That was something. So give give us your two cents on the final play and the two penalties that Bradbury committed in one play. Because yeah, that, listen, I love how people say he well he held no he held twice. Okay, let's make sure we mention that because not enough people mention that he held twice on the same play. But go ahead. Yeah, no, one of them was flagrant and i you know i i understood greg olson in real time given the initial camera view that he had questioning the the call in that moment um but i mean it, i think i think it was perfectly clear and that was then reinforced by bradbury's own reaction after the game everybody associated with the eagles basically had the same reaction which was that we, we were we are not here to complain about um you know correct calls by the officials right like it was just like I, and I, I, I am sympathetic to people who simply wanted to see Jalen Hurts have the ball with like a, a minute to go and a chance to win the game. Like that would have been great. It would have made it an absolute. It was already, I think, it was an all-time Super Bowl. But that would have that would have brought it into like you know, I don't know, one of the one of the two or three best that we've ever seen, right? Um, but we didn't get it because they committed a legitimate penalty that was actually flagged. And I, I think that's. I think that's fine. Um, <laughs> and again, I appreciate, I really appreciate the reaction from the Eagles themselves after the game, because they, you know, if, if anybody is going to, is going to really feel the fact that all they had to do was, was stop any of those chiefs drives in the second half. And uh, listen, easier said than done. It's the chiefs, it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey and all that. But you know, they, they had four drives in the second half. They got three touchdowns in a field goal and they could have had four touchdowns. So like you, you get, you got to stop them somewhere. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, and I had no problem with the call uh, because nope. you put the referee in that position, and you you committed two penalties in, in the same play, and you know it, it, I I use the analogy like, hey brother, listen, it says 65 miles an hour. I get it, everybody's doing 72, 73, but listen, it, the cops <laughs> sitting there on the sidelines and. And you're doing 73, 74, and you think, well, he's not going to stop me. Woo! And, well, were you speeding? Yeah, I was, but no, no. Were you speeding? Yeah, okay, well, then here's the ticket. 
and you put the cop in a position where he can stop you or not. And maybe others were speeding, but he didn't like the way you were speeding and you changed lanes. And so that's kind of what if, it was. Maybe he saw it and he goes, well, whoa, this guy's tugging twice. I got to throw it. You know, it's like, if, you know. If all you saw of that play is the fact that Patrick Mahomes overthrew a dude by like nine yards in that situation, that that right there should have been enough to question whether um, there was a there was a hold, right? Like Patrick Mahomes is not going to overthrow somebody by like eight or nine yards in in any scenario, let alone that scenario. So, I, I thought it was a pretty flagrant hold, well called. Um, it's really unfortunate that the the coverage and and that Twitter, that all social platforms, basically turned toward you know criticizing a call that was, I think, perfectly correct. Well, that's kind of what we do, right? Rihanna, oh God, this that, <laughs> and I, I had no, I had no problem with her performance. By the way, I thought she did a great job, and considering that she was pregnant, even more props to her that she's standing up on that damn platform and you know performing, and she's pregnant, and she's still keeping her cool and all that. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I give her many, many props for that. I had no problem with the, with the performance, but that's the beauty of, you know, social media, anything and everything that was going on in that game, we were you yes. know, reacting to it right away, you know? So it is what it is. Did, did you give her a passing grade on her performance? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, I, with or without, you know, the, the fact of being pregnant, um, I like, I don't have Rihanna necessarily like in the normal playlist, right? But man, that is that is a lot of hits. Like that is that is an artist with um, I believe the kids would call them bangers. Like she's yeah. got like and she and she left some in the you know in the in the quiver too, right? Like she's she's got more. Like she could do another 15 minute halftime show with a whole bunch of other familiar hits. She's I, I think she's awesome. Yeah, man. She did she did a terrific job and I think she uh, handled it very classy. You know, considering her her physical nature, the, uh, the thing is, somebody it, always uh, needs to declare. You know, and obviously, this is the nature of Twitter. This is the nature of like sort of reactionary, um, you know, uh, observations that we have today. Nobody, nobody can ever be even remotely nuanced about anything. It's either got to be the greatest of all time, or it's got to be the, the worst, worst that we've ever seen. It's never, it's never like, yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> like that's not even except you can't even say that right yeah you, you've got you've got to insist that it is the greatest thing you've ever seen or one of the worst things you've ever seen amen amen it is what it is all right uh what'd you think of uh of uh the tour interviews on radio row because my god they were they were bad they were bad <laughs> yeah that was um I, I mean, it's also not something that you want to, you don't, you don't want to read a whole lot into anything that gets said on Radio Row, right? Like everybody's, everybody's trying to promote products. Everybody's trying to promote odd things. Um, you know, everybody's been given a script that they have to, that they have to follow. I, I don't know. It's all, it's all good fun. Um, I wouldn't, of all the reasons to, to, you know, fret about Tua and the future of the Dolphins, I wouldn't, you know, anything, anything said on Radio Row would not really get to me. No, I know. But it's just and, and you know what I thought was uh, because there were reports that, well, if the Dolphins win, you know, Tua could come back and all that, you know, if they beat the, the Bills and all that. And then what was revealed in those interviews is that the Dolphins really didn't let him go through the protocol till the season ended actually 
that's when he really went through the final stages of the protocol so he can be cleared. And that's why it took so long because the Dolphins had no intentions on letting him play. So they didn't want him to go through the protocols during the regular season there at the end of the last couple of weeks. And then he clears and then he's getting ideas of playing because he was saying, basically, they protected me from me. And I thought that was actually really smart on the Dolphins' part. Yeah, um, and and it's, you know, but they finally came around to it, right? Because the Dolphins obviously took a lot of heat earlier in the season for n- not necessarily protecting Tua from himself. Um, it was, it was probably the most uncomfortable part of of Miami's of an otherwise really encouraging season for for Miami, right? Because you can tell yourself a story about where this franchise is going, and it's really good. Um, the, the, the one negative and the, certainly the, the, I felt like really the only glaring negative on, on McDaniel's resume this year was the, the handling of Tua, especially early on, um, super uncomfortable. He was, he'd obviously been concussed. I don't know. I don't know how many official concussions we're calling this for him now, if we're calling it two, if we're calling it three, um, but it's but but it's not nothing, you know, um, and it is going to be well, the ongoing. first one was his neck. Remember? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. He lost his balance and almost fell because it was his neck. There's no way he was woozy or anything in his head. No, come on. No, certainly, certainly didn't appear that way. Um, yeah. Neck. So that uh, and and I, hopefully it I, has changed things in the NFL for the better that we've come through this episode. But um, it is it is really the one thing that hangs over the the franchise, I suppose, right now. But everything everything else is on a is clearly on an upward trajectory for Miami. I agree. I agree. And and uh, he's taken judo. And, uh, you know, I've explained this several times. I took judo uh, for, for a few years and it does teach you how to fall and how to break your fall and uh, those kind yeah. of things. And so that that might help him out a little bit, too, because uh, it's we see it no, with, it's a good, with, it's a good point, because like his issue has been like falling backward, like the back of the head right yeah, against the yeah. turf yeah and he's got to learn how point. to break the fall and and learn a roll and those kind of things and we see it with the quarterbacks that didn't play baseball and they slide awkwardly or they oh. don't know how to slide or all that stuff and then you see oh that dude probably didn't play baseball and so he doesn't know how to slide and he's and it happens a lot in today's world because when we grew up we used to like play we we changed with the seasons. That's kind of the way yep. you 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 played in your neighborhood when we were when we were younger. Kids don't do that nowadays. Now they like latch on to one sport and that's all they play, so they can gr- get great at that sport. And our day was a little different, so you kind of got to know all the different sports, and you've seen it. That guys that don't know how to slide, they they get injured, they jam their legs or knees or ankles because they don't know how to freaking slide. And, and then they got to learn how to slide. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing here. Falling, there's also a tech, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a, um, there's a, um, what's it called? Not a technicality, a, uh, God, what am I thinking of? What's the word I'm thinking of? A, um, there's a, a rhythm to falling that you can brace yourself, that you can protect yourself. And it's happened to me several times since I learned judo when I was a kid. Uh, it's come through in my life in certain times that I've fallen, but I, I know how to break my fall and roll and those kind of things. It's not going to happen all the time, 
but there'll be instances where it might just help out to her. Yeah, no, it's a it's an interesting point that you make about sliding too. I've I, I know there were multiple cases uh, throughout the season where I just you know watching the the Bears as I do, like Justin Fields can be a really awkward slider, um, and, and he's and he stays really high a lot of the time when he's sliding, right? So like he can he can take some hits that he doesn't need to take as he's going as he's going to the ground. But it it, it right. is an interesting point because you definitely you definitely can tell the the kids who were who are like three and four sport, you know, um, Russell, athletes, Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. Russell Wilson slides like he's a pro. Why? Yeah. Well, cause he was a pro baseball player. So, you know, so yep. it's, he, he has that gift and you know what? That was a great example of fields is one of those guys that you can tell was not a baseball guy because of the awkwardness of the way he slides. I mean, with Joe Flacco, you can understand because he's as long as a giraffe. So it's kind of hard. And yet he, he still ha- has learned how to slide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they probably weren't time. asking young Joe Flacco to steal bases either, right? Like he probably no, wasn't no. sliding as often as as many of the other athletes in the NFL. But Fields is Fields is funky too because he'll go really hard, like into a knee when he's sliding too, right? And it's not he's not he's not gracefully sliding. He's like, no, I know. You know, it's like a crash landing every time he does it. Um, makes me makes me yeah. just as nervous to watch him slide as it does to watch him take hits. Oh, we've seen guys that don't know how to slide jam their knees and ankles mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff because, again, they they just don't have the technique, you know, down pat. Um, your uh, your thoughts on the Fangio hire? Um, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's great, and I think he's in the right role now, right? Um, I, I I think it's um, yeah, I, I think it's overall a good move that that uh, yeah, he's not a head coach, feel- right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I think I think that's relatively, relatively clear. I mean, can do it in a pinch, but probably not somebody that you want, you know, guiding the future of the franchise. But you throw him in his role and you throw him in his wheelhouse where he's really comfortable and you're going to get you're going to get great results. So uh, and you're a Bears I, fan. So you you had a little taste of Fangio being your defensive coordinator for for and a it was years. good. And the players were super loyal to it. Like players loved him. Um, I ob- obviously excelled in the role. So um, it, it, it's just it's just a phenomenal hire, right? Like you've you've just got somebody who is who is uh, among the best in the world at exactly that. Um, and, and you're you're not asking him to do too much. So I, I I think it's phenomenal. All right, let's play the quarterback shell game. Where does <laughs> where does Derek Carr? Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo land. Yeah, I first of all, I, I feel like there's a very clear hierarchy here. I don't I don't know how a lot of people feel about this, but I think Derek Carr is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And and maybe this is maybe this is me just kind of dismissing a lot of Niners quarterbacks generally. But I and, I and can't he, so, um, he gets injured every year, Garoppolo. Every right, year. right. So that's so that's Every one year. thing. And Derek Carr, you know, whatever you think about him, um, incredibly resilient and has played through some stuff too. And Derek Carr's like best moments, and not that he can sustain them, not that we've seen Derek Carr just go on a heater that lasts like six games, eight games, whatever. He doesn't necessarily do that, but man, w- when Derek Carr gets rolling, um, that that guy's a that guy's a very good quarterback. So I think it's uh, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is like an all-time inner circle quarterback. Derek Carr for me is very clearly in that next is the next tier. And then, and then it's Jimmy after that. So that's, this is all by way of saying that I think Jimmy is just kind of an afterthought and um, he's like, you know, the, the very last option and in, in musical chairs here. Um, 
I, I, I don't have, I'm not sure it, where, like, I don't know what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' head at any given time, right? Um, oh, really? <laughs> I'm going to ask you I, that one? Come on. I hate, I hate to, I hate to try There's to, not a I hate dark to enough to room in for there. you to figure that out, bro. No, I mean, not, a, not a dark enough room. There's you, you, you can't even, you can't even go in space and enter in a black hole and figure out what's going on <laughs> in Aaron Rodgers' head. I, I personally have not, I don't know the pleasures of hallucinogenic teas, so I can't, you know, I can't, I can't get inside the man's head. I can't imagine that he wants to go to the Jets though, simply because that's the Favre thing. Right. And I, I just and can't imagine. And New York, I don't, he in that media. No, dude, that's not, that's, he doesn't want that, bro. No, especially, well, especially not coming from Green Bay. Like he's got a, he's got this really nice thing right now where he can talk to, you know, Pat McAfee and he can, and he can talk to like the very, very friendly and relatively. Optimovsky and that's, uh, that's yeah. it. You know, he's got, <laughs> he's got a yeah. Yeah. Like you've got your guys in Green Bay and it's not going to, it's never going to be like a mob scene at the, at the locker or anything like that. It's not going to be like, it's not going to be crazy. And in, in, in New York, it'll be 150, 200 mics in your face every week. I think he'd say some really interesting stuff. I think we'd hear some fantastic things out of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'd, I'd kind of like to see him, uh, you know, just for the, just for the sake, not that Devonte Adams can't survive with anybody else, but I, I I think Rodgers in, in Vegas would be really fun. Um, I think, I think Carr with, uh, I think Carr with the Panthers would be really fun because it's it's just simply it's good for DJ Moore, it's good for a, a, a fun collection of uh, skill players. But I would now, also most like most of us have been saying New Orleans, but but, I, but made, I, that was the that was the other thing that was going to fall out of my mouth is I would really I would really like to see Derek Carr in, in New Orleans because I feel like Chris Olave with just a competent quarterback, um, like could could just have a supernova season at some point but shit, I thought, you mentioned something really good because they have weapons in they have a couple weapons in carolina they lost their back but you could get a back uh you can get another back and and their defense they have some young players on that defense that would that that actually that team would would take a step forward right away with Derek. yeah i think and plus Derek carr would be probably by orders of magnitude, the best quarterback that, uh, that DJ Moore has ever played with. I think, I think DJ Moore is really good. He was, um, it, not like throw, throw out everything that's happened in his pro career, right? Because he kind of caught the tail end of Cam Newton. Um, he's, he's not, not really played obviously with you know, Sam Darnold and every other, the sort of rogues gallery of quarterbacks that we've seen in Carolina, uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, even at Maryland, um, his final year there, they were cycling through quarterbacks and dudes were get, like nobody was good and guys were getting hurt and guys were getting benched. And like that, that was a that was an absolute mess. So we've never seen what it looks like for DJ Moore to have like a great quarterback. And I think, you know, we can disagree about about Derek Carr, um, but I but I certainly think he's like a, he's like a top fifteen, top sixteen NFL quarterback, and that would be by far the the most talented uh, passer that DJ Moore has ever played with. So I would love to see that. Hey, some people believe in Kirk Cousins. Okay, so let me ask you something: <laughs> You believing in Kirk Cousins, or would you believe more in Derek Carr? I'm yeah, I think Derek Carr. I think they're. 
I think they're pretty much the same tier of quarter. The the real problem with Kirk Cousins is that, you know, you're 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 paying all this money for Kirk Cousins. So like if you're if we're going to if we're going to throw you know dozens of millions of dollars at a quarterback, they they have to be able to overcome some stuff, right? Because we are going to have roster shortcomings elsewhere. And I don't think I don't think Kirk Cousins is of the level of quarterback where like uh, okay, because we have Kirk, it doesn't matter that, you know, we don't have an edge rusher and it doesn't matter that we don't have this. We don't have that. Right. Like, I don't think he's that level. Um, I think he's, he's similar to Derek Carr, but I've seen Derek Carr. Like let's, let's remember what Derek Carr did just two years ago. Right. Like forget this last season, two years ago, um, everything went wrong for that team. Right. Um, you know, from, from, uh, the rugs arrest and Waller gets hurt and the the head coach has to leave in the middle of the season and like the wheels are falling off right and left for Vegas and Derek Carr gets them to the playoffs and gets them to like a, a and I think pass for like 4,800 yards on the year um, gets them basically to within a you know they have a they have a chance to score at the end of the game to knock Cincinnati out of the out of the postseason Cincinnati goes on to the Super Bowl like that was a that was a great year from Derek Carr that we're just going to forget, right? Because it didn't really lead anywhere and they were a first round exit and all that. But that right. was a phenomenal season considering the circumstances. And we've we've just not seen Kirk Cousins do that, right? Like Kirk Cousins has made some throws and he's, you know, big arm talent. And, he, you know, he was a he was a fun little meme for a lot of the season. And I don't I don't really have, you know, there are obvious shortcomings to Kirk Cousins. But we've never seen him do, I, I think, what what Derek Carr just did a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, no doubt about it. They've got uh, the uh, the Chiefs favored again for next year. You uh, you you agreeing with that? I I mean, I, yeah, I, f I feel like if I had to set it right now, knowing what we know, um, how do you it's just so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes because he's probably never going to have. First of all, Kelsey's clearly lost nothing, right? Um, like we oh. we can we're gonna we're gonna make the case in fantasy. People are gonna try to make the case that oh, wrong side of thirty, aging, whatnot. Um, has he ever looked better than he than he looked this no. last year? Right? Like he's showing no signs of age, and he was great in those. I'll, I'll give you something. The the season. I'll give you something. If Tony stays healthy, uh, I think he's a super dynamic player. And I loved him coming out of Florida, and I know it didn't work out with the Giants. And now they traded him over there, and he's made he's made impactful plays for them a whole bunch of times now this year since they picked him up. If they get him back on the field on a consistent basis, then they will have their home run hitter next to Kelsey, and that offense could actually get even scarier. You know, okay. you know what I think the the perfect use for Kadarius Tony might be within within that offense, given everything that we've seen them do over the years. Like, what? think think back to what McCole Hardman was doing before he got hurt this year, where they they just you know they kind of scrapped the idea of making McCole Hardman like some some deep threat every route kind of receiver, and they're like, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna make you a big part of the the red zone offense, goal to go offense. That guy had scored five touchdowns in in three games prior to getting hurt um and they were they were handing him the ball and they were getting it to him in space and they were they were creating fun little mismatches for him and obviously Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have done great things near the goal line you know over the years and they were uh, they were creating some some really fun situations for Hardman 
it, you do that with Tony. Tony's an even more electric athlete and a little bit quicker. Maybe not, maybe not like long speed faster, but he's quicker. Um, yeah. he's about as quick as anybody in the NFL, right? Like yeah. him used might in that strong, situation. Might be a stronger player too, because I've seen him break yeah. tackles also. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're not asking Kadarius Tony to like, okay, learn every route in the playbook, and we're you know we're we're not going to ask you to do something that you've never done before. We're just going to put you in space and tell you to be a playmaker. Uh, while being on a chessboard with guys with Pacheco with Kelsey, I mean, he he could sneak into ten or twelve touchdowns if he stays healthy. So, Tony's really fun. You've got an actual sorcerer quarterback, right? Like, I mean, that look, look what we just got from a from a hobbled Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he, that guy's going to pile up five thousand yard season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I he think he was you pulling have to make, away from people in, in the middle of the field <laughs> with a high ankle sprain. Right? I'm like, what the hell does this guy have in him? Like, what is going on? That adrenaline is carrying his ass, dude, because that run he had up the middle of the field, I was like, what, dude? He was, he was, he's way faster than Tua with a high ankle sprain. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's crazy, bro. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's, He's just at a, an entirely separate level from from almost any other quarterback right now. And the, the league is full of great quarterbacks right at this moment. Like this is sort of a, a, a kind of fun golden age. Um, there's a lot of talent out there, even among people who don't like see the chessboard the way Patrick Mahomes does. There's guys with incredible traits right now. Um, the AFC is tough. Like the AFC looks like it's just going to be an absolute meat grinder for a few years here. But I, I it's so difficult to bet against Patrick Mahomes at this point. All right, what do you got going on on Yahoo this week so uh, folks can uh, check you out, my man? Uh, we're ramping up fantasy baseball coverage, actually, but we're going to have plenty of uh, plenty of football content out there. Nobody's stopping the fantasy football forecast, our, our podcast. That's going to keep rolling through the offseason. And pretty soon we're going to start talking draft. Okay, I like it. Are you going to the Combine? I'm not going to the combine. I'm going to I'm going to Vegas this week for a for a Vegas, fantasy man. industry conference. Um, combine's yeah, close sure. to me though. Sure. And I and I, <laughs> and I want to like I want to do like really do the combine at some point because I I find it I find it super interesting and I'm usually glued to it like on on TV. But I but I have not gone previously. Well, you should go one year, bro. We'll hang and uh, we'll uh, we'll make the rounds together in the evenings. Uh, oh, I am here for it. Personnel people and and uh, agents and scouts and uh, all kinds of crap all throughout the the bars. So Indy can give you a Indy can give you a pretty way. fun like two or three days. Like it's not you know I don't need to be in Indy for a week, but but two no. or three days Indy can be fun. Yeah, yeah, no, the downtown area has got enough to do. You know, yeah. overall, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a cool little downtown area, and and because they built all those bridges and tunnels to connect you know you can get away from the cold which can be a bitch because sometimes you turn those those that corner and it's like a a chicago wind that comes at you and it just slices you right in half you know that kind of <laughs> crap you get you know the kind of the kind of stuff that that people get in chicago all the time i am, I am intimately familiar with the kind of stuff yeah, we're actually we got a lovely day right it's like 50 degrees right now it's beautiful um i'm sure that won't last because it's february but it's uh I'm, I'm not complaining about our weather right now no you cannot follow him on twitter by the way at andy barons and catch his work there at yahoo sports andy as always appreciate you uh, great to have you back on the horse, my friend. We'll catch up next week. Thank you. Yeah, very much appreciate you, Big O. Thank you. 
No problem, my friend. Appreciate you. Always got your back. That is Andy Barron. Sports Girls now got eight amazing locations. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Get your asses down there. Eight great locations. We just added the one in Doral, which is just absolutely awesome. Take advantage. Mondays, by the way, $7 single smash burger. Tuesdays, which is today, $2 tacos. You can choose between chicken, beef, or fish. And tomorrow on Wednesday, the kids will eat free with the purchase of an adult entree. Get on out to Sports Grill. Go to sportsgrill.com and check out one of their eight great locations. Get the one nearest you. Sportsgrill.com. This has been the SportsGrill.com Dolphins and NFL Draft Report with Yahoo Sports' Andy Barons. Cheer on your favorite South Florida sports team at SportsGrill.com. With eight great locations, go to SportsGrill.com and find a slice of sports heaven. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, let's uh, tell you a little bit about Nature B. And we got a great deal going on right now. Take advantage, folks. These deals... They only last a certain amount of time, and then they're gone. And I've been telling you about Nature Bee for over 20 years now. Right now, we've got a 200-cap supply, which will last you 100 days. Okay? 85 cents a day. That's it. It's $85. Plus, we're going to give you a free Manuka Honey Lip Balm, which if you haven't tried the lip balm, it is just absolutely awesome. It's cold in certain places. It's dry in others. And that affects your lips. The free Manuka Honey Lip Balm will come in clutch. You're going to love it. Those two golden capsules, I tell you all the time, it boosts your immune system. It gives you that energy. It highlights your libido. It gives you allergy relief, less stress, which is a beautiful thing, muscle recovery, and, of course, the added energy, which we all need. Instead of that 2, 3 o'clock fade, you will still have energy to finish your day strong. You won't be falling asleep in the car on the way home. So check it out. Go to naturebee.com slash big O. Naturebee.com slash big O. Check out all the other products. I tell you all the time about the soap, which is just absolutely amazing. Do I have a lip balm anywhere around here? I think I do. And here's the free lip balm that you will get right there, baby. Okay. So I have uh, several of those. Uh, as you can see, I've got one in my bag. I've got one in the car all the time. I, I have it everywhere just in case. Whenever I need it, I'm going to need it in Indianapolis here in a couple of weeks. So check it out. Check out the wrinkle cream. The ladies love that. There's so many different products, but take advantage of Nature Bee. It is pure plant pollen. It is all natural, grown in clean, green New Zealand not in some lab, and that's why it makes a difference for the kids and it makes a difference for the adults. My daughter's been taking it since she was a child, and now she's an adult, same as myself. I'm still a child, but I've been technically grown as an adult, so I've been taking it for, for 20 years, but I am kind of childish, so I do have to say that. Naturebee.com slash big O and get the deal right now. All right. What else do we have here on the chat board? Um, it's 50 here in Rochester. Ooh. It's like a spring right today. 
Uh, Giovanni says, Omar Kelly just reported David Carr informed Raiders he will not accept to go anywhere via trade. Yeah, well, that's already been reported. That's not anything new. That was reported a couple days ago that he is uh, not accepting any trades and he will be released and they're not going to get anything for it. And that's the smart thing for him to do so he can get the deal that he wants. Um. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What else? Why hasn't Vic Fangio signed yet? Um, it's already done, bro. It's not. They'll announce it. It's not a big deal. You know, that's you. You got. I'm sure you got to have much more important things to worry about. That's not a concern. OK, it's like uh, uh, somebody tweeted at me. Hey, uh, they better sign. uh, uh um, what's it called? Uh, Tua to his uh, to his um, fifth year deal before any new contracts come out for quarterbacks. I'm like, he has no leverage. What are you worried about, dude? He has zero leverage. They're going to give him the fifth year option, and they still have tags if they need to use them and all that. They have total control. Don't worry about it, and you don't have to worry about Fangio signing. Fangio's probably worried about the other coaches he needs to sign first. And that way he can kind of complete his staff. That's what I think Fangio's probably doing. But the whole announcement with the Dolphins doesn't matter to them. So that's already done. You don't even have to worry about that anymore. Uh, in uh, music history, we like talking a little music history sometimes. And today on Valentine's Day, February 14th, certain things happen, like in 2000, I still have the concert shirt. I have it there in my, in my closet. Kiss announced that they were going to do a farewell tour in makeup and then sell off the stage props from their career in an auction, which, of course, we all know they, they've had several farewell tours since then. They're in the middle of the end of the road tour, which has like been four years now, and it keeps getting extended. But I went to that one thinking it was the last also. In 84, I'm sorry, in 87, Bon Jovi started a four-week run at number one with their hit song, Living on a Prayer. It was their second top chart. It was their second chart topper. In 86 on this date, Frank Zappa appeared on an episode of Miami Vice playing a crime boss named Mr. Frankie. In 1999, on this date, the Deftones had most of their instruments and equipment stolen from their truck. The rig was parked at a Holiday Inn in Dearborn, Michigan, as the band got ready for the final stop of their trek, opening for Black Sabbath. And in 92, on this date, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party on, premiered in America, leading to a resurgence in Queen's popularity because of Bohemian Rhapsody scene. 92. 31 years ago. I can't believe that Wayne's World was 31 years ago. God, that is nuts. Uh, let's see. The Super Bowl had the worst field conditions in the history of mankind the league should be stood for allowing players to. It happens, Gus. 
Nothing is perfect in life, Gus. So, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? It's not the first time that people have played on fields that they thought were ready, and then it was a disaster. Remember when they put sod on top of sod in a Dolphins game? That was a, a real winner. I remember there was a punt, and it, it stabbed into the ground. It didn't bounce or anything. It stabbed into the ground. Okay? Like, what punt doesn't at least land and then bounce and trickle one way or the other? No, dude, this thing went, and it stabbed right into the ground because it rained and it was muddy. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Shit happens, man. You know? I'm sure the guy that was the 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 sod master, I'm sure he wasn't. Oh, let me make sure they slip and slide all over the place. That's not what they wanted to do. That's not the effect they wanted. Obviously, that puts people at risk, at injury risk. So that's clearly not what they were trying to attempt. And you know, it's hard for me to to kill somebody for that when you know. It's not really their fault. Uh, it's not something that they tried to do. You know, it's they weren't purposely trying to screw the game over. They probably thought that was the right thing to do and they were going to have the grip and there wasn't going to be any slip and that the sod was going to come through. And it happens. It happens, man. So, Big O, your thoughts on the upcoming Marlin season? I'll watch it. Because I love the Marlins. I don't have a lot of hope. They don't have enough offense. Okay? They added a couple bats, and I commend them for that. And, you know, I read um, uh, Barry Jackson had a very interesting baseball article and explaining how some of it might work out even better because, obviously, some of the guys they brought in, the, the especially the second baseman, the shortstop. Excuse me. Um, those guys, um, they get on base a lot. And, and so by, by having guys that are going to be on base, some of these other guys will have opportunities to drive in some runs, but I just, I still don't think they have enough, um, offense and that's going to be a problem. It's There's going to be a lot of pressure on the defense, on the off, on the defense, on the pitching that is to be perfect almost every night. And it's just not fair. Okay. So that would be, you know, I'm going to watch the Marlins, but I'm not expecting much because the offense is just not there yet. So that's kind of the way I, I, I look at it with the, with the Miami Marlins. Uh, what else do we have? Inter Miami. They uh, they extended the contract of their goalkeeper, uh, Drake Callender, young guy. They have him signed through the 2025 season, team option for 2026. That is a really cool move. I just saw where um, Kaufman just reported that Robbie Robinson is out for a couple of weeks. What a shocker. Robbie Robinson is injured. My God. I mean, Robbie Robinson is never injured. I mean, he's, you know, he's a stud. He's been such a great draft pick. He's scored all those goals. 
and he's always available to you. I am shocked that Robbie Robinson is injured right now. Absolutely shocked. Rhinos, YTH, thank you, sir, for the love on the Super Chat. That's very nice of you. Thanks for all the hard work, Beno. Been tolerating you since 2001. Imagine my wife. 97, bro. That poor woman has put up with me since 97. You're just 2001. You know? So, have some sympathy for my wife. That's who you got to have some sympathy for. That poor woman. Oh, my God. That is just absolutely crazy. All righty. Uh, yes, she is a saint. She is a saint, an angel, everything. That's what I can tell you. All right, we are out of here. Uh, we thank Andy Behrens. We thank Manny Navarro. We thank Alan Pupar. We thank Ira Winderman and Kurt Heelan. If you missed Inside the Paint, you can rewind. Uh, it was hour number two from the 9 to 10 hour. It's not tomorrow. We did it today because uh, Ira was traveling. Uh, and if you missed any of the other interviews, you can rewind. Obviously, Sean Stanley will be slicing and dicing it up, audio and video. So he'll put up some segments and rants and interviews and all kinds of stuff. We will see you all tomorrow. We thank Sean Stanley for mastering it all. Same time, same place, same bat channel. Have a great one.